Morning. Four minutes past four is the time. Monday morning. You well? I'm dreadful. <clears throat> I've developed over two days the cough from hell. Now, it was fun. You know what it's like? Because I've told you this before. We've had this cough before, and it's the chesty cough. It's the tickly cough where you can go so far, and then all of a sudden you've got a cough. So I, I get up this morning and had a cough, and I'm fine. And I had some water, did, did my medication, the usual sort of rubbish, you know, you take your green tea tablets. Sit in the back of the car and I started coughing. <coughs> like that. And so, because it tickles, it gets to that state. I mean, it's almost like somebody's sitting there with a feather duster, waving it over your ventricles. And, um, or any other part of the body they can reach. And I'm sort of sitting, I still want the injection. If it's going, I'm having it. If it's going, I mean, I'm a little bit old for it, but I really, if they're giving it to 13-year-olds, what's the matter with us us older people? Why can't we have it as well? Perhaps, to, perhaps we need something to sort of take away. Yes, we need to, <laughs> need to sort of try and work out what my body's clock's doing. So anyway, so I sit in the back of the car, and as usual, I wind the window down a little bit. I like to feel the air on my face. And uh, it's, it's quite, you know, it's throws your hair out behind you. I look a little bit like Siegfried and Roy doing a magic trick. You know, my, lo- my blonde hair flowing onto the back ledge and staying there most of the time. And I was sort of thinking about, you know, because I, to cheer myself up every morning in the car, I pretend I've won the lottery. And this morning, I pretended I'd won 94 million. Because it, it goes from ridiculous amounts to really, really stupid amounts. And then, so all the way in, I'm fantasising about what I'm going to do today with the money. How many houses I'm going to go and look at. You know, I'm going to take friends around with me. Or I'm going to do it as a big surprise. And then at Christmas, go, da-da, here's some money for you. Two million here, two million there. So that always cheers me up. So I always arrive in in a good mood. I can't arrive in in a bad mood unless Leicester Square's full of drunks. And it was this morning. The usual bunch of, you know, I mean... To be honest with you, it was almost borderline police. Two girls outside the front of the building, admittedly goading on five fellas, four or five fellas, you know, and, and one of them had said, there's bad girls, you shouldn't be with them and all this kind of thing. And I'm thinking, this is a dangerous situation here because there are three blokes tanked up and four, four, five blokes, I think it was, and two girls. And at one point, the bloke was grabbing the girl. Now, if I'd been a policeman, I'd have had him nicked straight away. Inappropriate behaviour. Totally inappropriate. You don't grab anybody. I don't care who you are. So that was the... So anyway, so I kept... So I'm still fantasising. And I'm coughing all the way in. And it got to the... You know when you cough so much, all of a sudden you think, I'm going to make myself ill. I'm going to make myself ill. So I'm sitting there thinking, at least I've got a bag in the back of the car. It's a bit like getting on an aeroplane... And the first thing you do is you look for where, where the sick bag is, just thinking in case. And, you know, and I, I look for it and go, right, the sick bag's there. Thank God for that. But, I mean, I'm, that's just me, actually. And so I'm all right. Flying, I'm OK. Back of the car this morning, I started coughing. And you, you, you cough to the point you think, I'm going to be ill. <coughs> so I'm doing this kind of thing. And I thought the poor driver is trying to get here as quick as possible. He's thinking, this is going to take me out of commission if the poor bloke's sick in the back of the car. But I wasn't. I got here and I was fine. I just needed something to drink. So I've gone back on because I got back home yesterday at about five o'clock. Um, no, sorry, actually about 4.30. Holland and Barrett were open, but then just as I got to the door, they closed. So I thought, well, stuff you. So anyway, so I went to Marks and Spencer's, bought my Manuka honey. Not the best Manuka honey I've ever bought. And it's only a 10 strength, but it's better than nothing. So I bought that and some lemons because of the cough. And I thought I might as well try and make myself better for a Monday morning. Because I had done a lot of driving over the weekend down Southampton. Walked around Regent's Park twice over the weekend, which is nice. But by God, it was blooming cold. Went out and bought a big, thick overcoat. I tried on the duffel coat. I looked stupid in it. It didn't, it didn't suit me. It was in like a blue... 
Didn't look right. Didn't look right. I put it on. I thought, no, it's not me. So I tried this big overcoat on, and you can... It's like a giant duvet. I can wrap myself around it, and I can sort of snuggle up. So I snuggled up in the back of the car and just wound the window down. Well, I pushed a button, it moved. And so I, I sort of get through that like that. And I'm hoping I'm going to get through the programme this morning without coughing too much. But you'll have to bear with me if I do cough, because I've got an in-conversation to do, and it's with uh, Dawn French at 9.15... So, um, it's, it's not too bad. They're not going to go home and do the VAT. And, and then there was a report that came out in one of the papers today that said that a third of Britons who receive bank statements don't bother opening them. I put my hand up to that one. I never open a bank statement. I really don't. They arrive in. I put them in the... In fact, the only time I open them is when it comes round to sending it off to the accountant. Because I've got a bank manager who oversees my account... How flash does that sound? And um, and so, I mean, you know, there's only me that accesses it. It's the same things that go out every month. We do exactly the same. We transfer an amount to my first direct account, and uh, and then we put enough money into my spending account, as we call it laughingly, and then we have a tax account where we put money in, and that builds up over the year, so that when the tax man comes, uh, I've got the money. I don't need to sort of go, oh, I've got the money. Because I've tried that one before, and that doesn't wash with them at all. When I used to be a bit naughty years ago, when I was spending the money, and my accountant at the time said, listen, when, when, the, account, when, when the tax man comes knocking on your door, it's no good going, I don't have the money, because you've earned it. So I'm now very good. I'm very, very good. I put my, my tax money aside, and, and I pay, pay my tax, and I do all my bits and pieces. I don't have anything on HP, and yet I don't open bank statements. So it's hilarious that there's not just me... It's a third of the country and not opening bank statements. Now, you're probably not doing it for different reasons. You're probably not opening a bank statement because you don't want to know how little money is in there. You see, because I, I don't understand bank statements. I leave it up to people who know better. You know, I'm, I'm with my bank, which, thank God, is not going to be Santander. <laughs> Nobody was pleased, more pleased than me, but I'm in Edinburgh now, so that doesn't help matters, does it? And um, so I thought, I'm actually quite organised with money. I went down yesterday to see my brother... And he said, oh, we're, we're going to take you to a new restaurant that we hadn't been to before, which was quite nice. Service bit slow, but only two people working very, very hard in Portswood. Now, Portswood, they're, they're obviously trying to, uh, to upgrade the high street because at the moment it's a bit, uh, it's a bit student. And uh, anyway, the place we had, very nice for, for, for sort of lunch, had pate, which I shouldn't have had pate. That's a strange effect on me. Sends my diabetes through the roof. And, um, and then I had roast beef. Yorkshire pudding, too much of it, actually, for a little thing like me. Hardly eat anything. I'm like a mouse, <clears throat> surprisingly. And then we went out, and I went to get the papers. Huge Sainsbury's. Only managed to get three papers, so that was fine. Then we went to this garden centre, which we've done before, which I think is called Hawkins or some Hawksworth. or Anyway, whatever it is, they've got a big Christmas section. And I bought what I wouldn't normally have bought. It's, it's a model pub, and it works on batteries, and it lights up. And it does look really, really nice. And it just sits on these on the sideboard. I haven't got it out of the box yet. And you, you put the batteries in and, and little lights chase around it. But it's an old-fashioned pub with a little swinging sign and little tables and chairs outside. And I looked at it. I quite like it. My brother bought a ball, which has got lots of lights in it, which do different patterns. He bought that, and I bought this, this model pub, which is nice. It's, it's quite tall. It's about... It's a good... I don't know. Well, that, whatever the size that is. If, you, if you're watching in stereo, that big... OK, if, 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 you're, if you're listening in stereo, it's that big. OK, there you go. So I'll give you a rough idea. And probably as wide as that. What do you reckon? That's, yeah, about that. And um, so I took it home and I looked at it and I thought, I'm going to get that out tonight. I don't know where to put it yet. I haven't quite worked it out because I'm a bit sort of, I'm a bit cluttered up. I need to have a declutter. I need, to, I need somebody 
mainly from the Royal British Legion, to go, oh, we're having another charity auction. In which case, I can then clear. It's, it's quite therapeutic for me. When I go to my brother's, I take stuff down there. And, um, and this morning, we were very lucky, our friends at Hallmark Cards, having heard the programme last week, when I said I'm going to be sending a lot of cards this year, they actually sent me a, a card and said, following your recent on-air pledge to send more Christmas cards, we thought you'd give you a little helping hand. So they sent me in some boxes of Christmas cards, which is quite nice. So that's kind of got the ball rolling. So and put the glit- glitter everywhere, glitter everywhere. So I'd let you know now. So if you get a Hallmark card from me this year... I didn't pay for it, OK? And it's not even November. And it's not far off, is it? Not far off November. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, so we aren't sending uh, Christmas cards, but we will be this year. We don't open bank statements, but I never open bank statements. And, uh, and Made in Chelsea gets a real bad rating from one of the reviewers, I'm afraid. What they've done is they've analysed the acting of Paul Spencer. And they've said that Spencer can't act his way out of a paper bag. Nothing as more embarrassing, though, as over in The Only Way is Essex, where they have, I think it's a party for breast cancer, run by Lydia Dim's mother, who's a bit of a worry. You know, she should stay in and put her head in the gas oven and do everybody a favour, because she's got that hair. That hair looks like it's a fright wig she's wearing. It's a fright wig. And so they're all sitting down, and for some reason, Bobby, the only gay in the village, is there. And he's just an embarrassment. You know, an embarrassment full stop. And then this other girl turns up, who I can't remember who she is. She's somebody's friend. And anyway, they, they start arguing. And Bobby sort of is just, as I say, the only gay in the village and embarrassing full stop. You know, can't act, can't do anything. Anyway, throws the biggest queenie fit you've ever seen in the acting world. And uh, storms out of this party and all the women just laugh at him. Because he's so pathetically stupid. And we, I know how the programme works. It's the same as made in Chelsea. They say, this is the scenario. You act your way out of that bit. So when we had girly boy Spencer, you know, Spencer who does the drugs and appeared on The Bachelor. Was it The Bachelor? And, and he's got a girlfriend called Louise, but Louise really likes Andy. And Andy likes Louise and, and they're, they're sort of chatting away. And Spencer, the big girl's blouse that he is, who has a brother who's dating somebody quite famous at the moment... He has a brother. It's in the paper today. Spencer's brother. You don't want to go anywhere near the family, do you? Not very personable people. It's Pippa Middleton, isn't it? She's dating Spencer's brother, which I find slightly odd, but there you go. Perhaps he's, perhaps he's not the same as, uh, as Spencer. And so they go to this party at Jamie's house who couldn't act his way out of a toffee wrapper. I mean, he's really even more pathetic than the rest of them. But he's, but he's sort of heir to the McVitie's fortune. But yet has to share a house with like three other blokes or something. Anyway, so they're all they're all there. And Andy's talking to Louise. And then Spencer comes out and goes, you know, I thought I told you before, acting like he's some macho so-and-so. And of course, he's not. He's the biggest powder puff in the class. And so he thinks he's being clever. And Andy said, listen, I'm leaving the terrace, but I'm not leaving the party. It was such a good moment. I wanted him to lay Spencer out just to add interest to everybody's life. Or fellow that poisonous drink. Because it, it was getting so stupid. So stupid. In fact, even almost as stupid as the Gary Barlow, Robbie Williams spat on X Factor because Robbie Williams was photographed with Rylan and everybody else because Robbie Williams is like a bit... And my, my brother likes Robbie Williams. He can't wait to buy tickets for the show. And so, so Robbie Williams does this thing, upsetting Gary Barlow. Well, you've never seen such poor acting in your life. If they're trying to get an audience for The X Factor, they're doing it the wrong way. Why don't you just concentrate on the acts, stop concentrating on how stupid they are, get rid of Lulu Walsh, 
He's got to go. Have him as a mentor to people, but not actually on... He doesn't contribute anything. You know, even Gary Barlow, and I'm, a, I'm horrified to discover that Gary Barlow has fallen into this, yes, I'll, I'll bow down and take the golden shilling and do whatever you want me to do to make this programme work. So we pretend to have spats, and then so Gary storms off the set, then he says to Talisa, oh, you sink like an ashtray, and she says, well, you smell like red wine. And so it, it's just, it's so fake that it's embarrassing. So, Gary, stop it, or we'll come round and slap the back of your legs. LBC 97.3, London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. 18 minutes past four. So there they all were in the only way is Chelsea, not really, or made in Chelsea. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Not really knowing where they're going in their relationships. And then I caught a little bit of this uh, nor likey, nor lighty. With that, there's some old dog in the paper the other day. Uh, no, I know I quite like it because it, it's nice seeing a lot of sad, lonely people who can't pull anybody. And then you look at them and suddenly realise why. Because they're all mad as toothbrushes. And they had on the other day some girl who picked up in the Sunday papers. In fact, we'll have to mention her on the free podcast because she's on there and apparently none of her boyfriends can keep up with her. So guess what paper that appeared in? Yep, the Daily Star on Sunday, you know, the paper that brings you the tacky moments. Whereas, in fact, even one of the funniest moments was that Amy Childs, because she is such a child, was, uh, that's the fat one in the bath, in the bikini, remember? Yeah. And she said that when um, Fern Cotton goes on holiday, she can do the the programme. And I thought, but you're not intelligent enough. You know, for all her faults. And Fern, Fern Cotton has many faults. One of them is her inability to present programmes. Um, <coughs> really, you don't want Amy Childs on there. She's far too stupid. You know, the, the little the little girl look went out donkeys years ago. But uh, obviously Claire likes that kind of thing, and that's what she sells. And then there was a picture of Jordan out on the town, single again. Well, she's been single for ages. The relationship finished ages ago now. And uh, you know why, because she's vile. And so she went out to a nightclub wearing a very inappropriate outfit... And she left after midnight again. It's nice to know that, uh, you know, when the relationship splits up, on the town goes the oldest, the oldest page three girl in the books and, uh, and trawls around and leaves by herself. She'll have turned up with a couple of gay boys and uh, they'll have sat in a nightclub looking as bored as anything. And then they leave. Quite a, quite a trek back to uh, the middle of the countryside in the early hours of the morning, but I'm sure she's happy with her life. No, she's not. Not at all happy with it. And remember the girl who sold her virginity online for £490,000? Apparently they're going to revoke her visa in Australia for prostitution, which is exactly what she is. She's a prostitute. She sold her body for sex, irrespective of whether it's for a TV programme. And apparently they're going to have SEX with a Japanese businessman who's obviously so stupid. He's got to pay 499000 in an aeroplane so that they can contravene the prostitution laws. Either way, you know what she is. I know what she is. And her parents also now know what she is, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, the news came in yesterday. Gary Glitter has been arrested and bailed until December, uh, grilled for ten hours. And as Max Clifford said on LBC, and you can hear it on the LBC website, he was saying he's had lots of celebrities going to him, fearful that they're going to be dragged into the row over Jimmy Savile, because you've had... In the papers over the weekend, we had Freddie Starr again. And, uh, and then, bizarrely, Jim Davidson coming up with some very odd things. Now, I don't like Jim Davidson. I'm sorry. You know, there's some people you like, some people you don't like. I always found him thoroughly unpleasant. I've heard stories about Jim Davidson that I don't like. You know, it makes him not a very nice person. And 
<coughs> it's it's just, <coughs> excuse me. He was uh, arguing in the papers over the weekend, saying it's now turned into a witch hunt, and people will be picked on. You know, if you don't like somebody, it's easy to say, "Oh, it'll be that person." I'm thinking, you're not thinking you're going to be dragged into this, are you? Otherwise, why would you say anything? And so there were loads of other people in there, and Max has said probably about fifteen celebrities have contacted him, worried they're going to be drawn into this because if they've been out with Jimmy Savile, or they've been seen with Jimmy Savile, or they've been associated with Jimmy Savile, or they've got pictures, well then, you know, that's, that's the way it's going to be, uh, you know, implicated, isn't it? There's going to be lots of things going on, and it's going to be becoming probably more unpleasant, I should imagine. 84850, uk. Producer can't wait till she's older, doesn't have to go out and socialise at the weekend, put the kids to bed and watch Take Me Out, I know, and dream of what might have been. Oh, if only, if only. No likey, no lighty. And you look at him. I quite, I think he's actually quite personable. I, I, I do quite like him. But my God, there's some rough old things on that programme. Some of them you look at and you think, well, some of the boys are dreadful looking. They had a pair of twins, a pair of twins. They had twins on the other week. And uh, they were, you know, like most twins, quite sweet, you know, lovely, but just a bit dim. And they were looking for girls. To be honest with you, I looked at them, I thought they were looking for boys. But anyway, it turned out they were looking for girls. And so they went to the right programme. Just the wrong night. Because the night they were on, it was obviously a lot of drag queens on there. Because I've never seen so many really badly made-up women. They, you know, if you're going on a television programme, let them do your makeup. I've seen that other programme where they, where they take somebody who is so grotesque and then pod which is a computer graphic or something, you know, takes all their makeup away and then sort of shows them how much more attractive they can be. It doesn't work in a lot of cases. You know, sometimes people take all their makeup off and they look somewhat worse. And people get used to putting on an amount of makeup in the morning. Some people trowel it on. Some people are, are, are very good. And they just need a little bit of makeup and that makes them look absolutely fantastic. So I'm all in favour of, of, of things like that. I tell you, I'm not in favour of, and I'm so bored with Louise Mensch. Oh, what a boring person everywhere. You know, her, she she did a Twitter slap down for a hubby. Uh, and then there's lots of people saying, of course, the only reason she stepped down from politics is because she knew she was going to lose her seat. And why did Cameron pick this woman? And, and so it goes on. But she was covering somebody's column the other day. God, it was boring. I mean, she really is dull. She is so, so dull. I can't, just can't quite get to, uh, to grips with her. And then 5,000 people turned up to a, a David Icke. Uh, lecture somewhere. I mean, 5,000 numpties turn up, and there they all are in the audience. And um, obviously fueling the fact, because he thinks that we're all ruled by reptiles. He's obviously seen the film V, and he thinks if we take our skin off, we are reptiles underneath. And, uh, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind whatsoever he's a complete and utter nutcase. It's as simple as that. He did an 11-hour lecture, and people came out and said, really... You know, <laughs> what's he all about? And I thought, well, you should know. You should know. You went to the lecture. You paid money for it. I'm assuming you had to pay money for it. Unless he actually gave it for free. Uh, very worrying in America. Very worrying. Especially in um, Minnesota. A number of pussycats have gone missing. They've just vanished into thin air. And that's where they've gone. Because they managed to catch a picture the other day. They managed to get a photograph of an owl picking up a pussycat from the garden. And so these owls can actually come down. They're so strong, owls. Pick up a pussycat, take it up really high, although I didn't think owls went that high, and then um, <coughs> drop it. 
which kills it, and then they then they eat the flesh. So there you go. Horrible thought, isn't it? I'm sorry to, uh, sorry to mention that uh, first thing in the morning. Not the best thing you've ever heard. There was some programme that made my stomach curl. It's come dine with me. This is apparently a celebrity version. Um, and yet there are no celebrities on it. Guess who these celebrities are they found for Come Dine With Me? They found um, Robert England, who was from Nightmare on Elm Street. OK. Who else? Alex Reed, A celebrity? I don't think so. Nicola Ghastly Vile McLean, who's just... Uh, she's a former... I don't know what she's a former, but um, <coughs> she's quite atrocious. And uh, she rounded on Alex for saying he was an attention seeker. This from Nicola McLean. And the ghastly Sally Morgan. Celebrity Sally. Surely some mistake there. Surely some mistake. Aren't you just a psychic? You know, aren't you just, you know, somebody who sits there and makes up stuff? Isn't that you? Did you guess what the food was going to be, Sally? But anyway, Sally, you know, so they're on a programme which is called Come Dine With Me. OK, admittedly, they have picked three of the thickest people you've ever encountered. Sally Thicko Morgan, Alex, oh, just out to lunch, and Nicola Revolting Ghastly McLean. And so they, they were sort of turned on to this sort of food and they had all sorts of things. Nicola screamed, I can't eat worms. She's 31, but she's got the mental age of about a seven-year-old, I'm afraid. Uh, Robert Elms bravely tried one of the Thai crickets, and uh, Sally, 61 at least, uh, said, I'll just eat the bread. It's called Come Dine With Me, Popsikins. You know, you should have known, being a psychic, what the food would have been in advance. But of course you didn't, did you? Because there is no ability there whatsoever. It's all a load of old bunkum, Sally. But uh, to actually put yourself on a programme that says, you know, celebrity come dine with me, must show somebody with a hugely inflated ego with no real talent whatsoever. You can fill up a few halls, love, and you can find about six people and do that usual old, that cold reading stuff. Don't wash with me, lovey. Don't wash with me. Alex Reed, I don't know what you're doing on there. And Nicola McLean. I mean, I'd love to call you a has-been, dear, but the trouble is, you haven't been anything. So that kind of sums you up. Uh, incidentally, sorry? I think they filmed it recently. It's going out, I think either tonight or sometime this this week. I mean, you know, to, to actually put somebody like Alex Reed on any programme, he's too stupid for words. He is. Sally Morgan, I mean, just, just rubbish. Just rubbish, I'm afraid. And Nicola McLean, ugh, ghastly. Uh, don't waste your time buying expensive Christmas presents this year. Uh, for kids, a cardboard box is enough. That's all they want, a cardboard box. They don't actually want the item that's in it. Either. Now, this, of course, means that it's going to be a very, very cheap Christmas this year if we're all just buying cardboard boxes. Most people say children enjoy playing with boxes instead of toys and games. I'm not going to tell you the name of the company who commissioned this report because that's what they do. To get their name in the paper, they, they spend, you know, £20,000 and they get loads of coverage in there. And it's a load of old pooey. Because the, the company who's actually paid to have it have got nothing to do with Christmas or presents or boxes. That's why I'm not going to mention them. But uh, apparently... I, well, now, it, it is true. Because when my godchildren were young, they weren't really interested in the present inside the box. So you could buy Charlotte a Barbie plane, but the box became a bit more interesting. And when, when Danielle was very little... She just used to rip paper off boxes. So you could, you could wrap boxes endlessly, and all they do is rip the paper off. She, she couldn't care less what was inside. It could just be one, one sweet. She'd have been very happy just with that. They're not interested in the present. So parents spend a small fortune, but the kid's only interested in the box. It's like, if you want to entertain your cat at Christmas, buy them a box with paper in it. 
and put them inside. They'll have a fun for, for hours. Or a paper bag. You know, and the cat will sort of let, and it'll put its paw into the paper bag. Especially if you waggle your fingers at the bottom of the paper bag. So many ways of having a cheap Christmas this year. And also, as I've said before, you know, if you've got drafts in your house, invite in an elderly next door neighbour. Get them to lie down by the door. And they work marvellously as draft excluders. And they don't take much feeding. You know, they're very good value elderly people. <laughs> anyway, it's Monday morning. It's LBC with Steve Allen and my early breakfast show. Most of London listening at the moment, so you're in very good company as the time's 4.30. Steve Allen. Morning, Johnny says, Steve, do you think that uh, black cab drivers declare all their £340 a week takings? 350 a week in December. I don't know. Should we ask them, Johnny? All black cab drivers declare their £340 a week. Is that the standard amount of money they put through? Is that what they claim? would be interesting, wouldn't it? And of course, the cl- I should have mentioned at the beginning of the programme, it's nice to have your company, you did put the clocks back, didn't you? Doesn't it take forever? Oh, I've got so many clocks to change. I've not done the one in the car. No, it doesn't do it automatically. And uh, I've, I did the wristwatch. I've got uh, three in the kitchen. I've got two in the sitting room. And in the bedroom, I've got three, four. And I've got four in the bathroom. It's just... <coughs> it's just never-ending changing blooming clocks going round. It takes forever. So I did do it. So effectively, this is now 26 minutes to four in the morning. We hear a bit earlier. But you got the extra sleep in on Sunday. That was good. I like the extra sleep. I definitely like that. Uh, the programme with Podin is Snog, Marry, Avoid. My God, there's some rough things on that. Oh, dear, me. I mean, some of them go out. I mean, uh, the trouble is I have seen some of them that... <coughs> Excuse me. They're obviously quite clearly attention-seeking people. They are people who want to be on the television for reasons best known to themselves. Like that Ryland character who's already been on the um, Katie Price programme and now he's embarrassing the nation. Perhaps we can stick him up with that little Bobby character out the only way is Essex. They're both as camp as uh, each other. Perhaps they'll enjoy each other's company because Bobby is just... I'm not actually sure whether Bobby has a job or whether he just prances up and down Brentwood High Street. It's a bit difficult to know. But whatever it is, he's not very nice. He's not... In fact, perhaps we could put him with Spencer. Because Spencer looks like he could do a turn, doesn't he? In uh, Made in Chelsea. <coughs> it's going to go fun today, isn't it, this one? Um, is there an owl that could pick Jordan up and drop her, says Dave? I don't, I don't think there's one owl. There could be a, could be a whole bunch of owls would have to, have to try and pick her up. Weather for today, if you've just woken up, not good. Not brilliant. Cloudy, rain... Uh, particularly in the far south, drier and brighter in some areas. Quite cold, though, 11 degrees, currently 8. Tonight, cloud and rain clearing southward throughout the evening. Skies clearing for a time before mist moves in. Overnight low, 7 centigrade. Tomorrow, mist, fog and cloud lifting. Dry day with bright intervals. So that's good. So I said to my brother over lunch, I said, oh, I said, uh, I've got the new Madness album in the car. He said, the new Madness album? I said, yeah, there's a new one. It's a wee wee see see, yeah, yeah, whatever. Anyway, so it's, he said... No, he said, I've got the latest one. I said, no, I've got the latest one, because I'm talking to Suggs tomorrow. And he went, you're talking to Suggs? I said, yeah. He said, we're, we're actually going to see Madness at, uh, at Bournemouth at Christmas. They've already bought all their, their tickets and everything else. I said, yeah, I'm, he's coming in to talk to me. Probably doing me a private concert or something. I don't know. And so we said, oh, so we listened to the album in the car, <clears throat> and we were going through all, all the tracks. It was, quite, it was quite nice, actually. It was good fun. Very, he said, well, at least you'll have something in common with him. He said, you can both talk about London. Till the cows come home. Because I do know a lot about London. I'm fascinated by London. I love everything about London. I like being, Even though it's filthy and full of strangers, it's still London. 
I love looking at, you know, old pictures of the tube, the old bus routes, the post office. I was watching the choir the other night, Gareth Malone and some postal workers. And they weren't they weren't bad. They weren't bad at all. I was quite quite impressed with them. But there's been a right load of it. Did anybody is anybody watching Holly Willabooby and Surprise Surprise? Didn't get good ratings. I think it's her. She's not what they call a seasoned pro in the presentation department. You know, Scylla Black was a seasoned pro. That programme was off to... She knew exactly what was what was going on, whereas I, I don't think Holly... Were, Holly just sort of sits there and does the, oh, well, that's nice. She said to some bloke who's donated part of his liver, well, I bet you do that again without realising that, you know, you only do it the once. You don't, you don't do it again. But, you know, nobody obviously... Perhaps she's not wearing an earpiece and nobody could say to it, no, you can't do it again. Uh, then we've, um, we've, we've kicked out Sid Owen, which is good. He, he just wasn't very good. I don't know any of the other people on there at all. And Lucy Spraggan might quit The X Factor as she's furious with show bosses for trying to get her to sing cover versions. Um, there's nothing worse than an outraged lesbian. And uh, she's really going to stamp her foot down. She's, what, what was she asked to sing then that was a, a cover version? I don't know. But anyway, apparently, the insider said the singer also wants to be paid for the songs which she wrote that are selling on iTunes. Oh, darling. Listen, let me just give you some advice, because you're obviously not very bright, and you don't understand how the business works. You've signed a contract with Psycho. OK, you've signed a contract with the programme makers. Everybody signs it. Don't sign it, you ain't going on the programme. OK? So, I mean, all of the X Factor songs are covers. That's what they do. They pick covers. And they go on, and you will do what you are told. You know, you can stamp your little foot and say, I want this and I want that. And you will do what they tell you. And that's why this is such a stupid story. Nobody's interested in you. To be honest with you, in six months' time, you'll be fish and chip paper. You know, in fact, not even six months. I'll give it three months and you'll have disappeared. (coughs) Completely. You're not a pop star at the moment. You're just another non-entity on a television programme who we can laugh at. You're there for our entertainment. You are nobody until Simon decides, and Simon will be the one who decides, who he's going to record. And when you do record, he'll tell you what you're going to record, OK? You won't have any say in the matter whatsoever. That's the contract that you've signed with Psycho. You need to check it very carefully. Because, you know, if we can't explain to somebody who is technically an adult, uh, she's 21, she uh, apparently had flu on Saturday, so she couldn't perform. This was after she partied at the Bond premiere. So obviously not as committed to the business as maybe... You think you are, Lucy, because as anybody will tell you, from Simon even to Lulu Walsh, if you're not committed and you're not 100%, I remember Louis Walsh shouting at Westlife when they pitched up for GMTV one time and they were all tired because they'd gigged the night before, but they were booked to do a slot and he wanted them exactly, you know, you will be on time, you will turn up, you will be professional. That's what people expect. I don't want to be confronted by pop stars who, you know, do the big bit outside having the photographs taken and then walk in and go, that was tough. You think you've got no idea what tough is. Tough, you've got no idea. So you will, Lucy, do what you're told. All of them will do what they're told. And when the album comes out, we won't buy it. OK? And then very soon you'll be going, um, do you want fries with that? OK, yeah, fries with that. And a special today? Cotton chips. So <laughs> that's what you'll be doing. OK? So just bear in mind, start pushing your weight around and you go nowhere. Because they'll, they'll drop you like a big tonne of bricks and you'll find it very, very difficult to actually succeed in this business because it's a controlled industry. They know what they want. You won't hit the charts any more than, you know, than I'll be hitting the charts any day soon. Frankie Rang works in A&E for the tickly cough. I need to go and get a bronchodilator. It's non-steroidal, 
and opens up the uh, bronchial, so the air travels either very quick and easy to do, will stop the tickly cough. Oh, that sounds quite good fun. Oh, can imagine going to the doctor going, I want a, a, bronch, a bronchidilator, and out comes this £50,000 worth of machinery, you know, which they said, sort of, we've got it here for you. And you go, what the hell's that? And they go, if you just like to have it, you need to get, of course, your electricity sorted out again, because it goes into the bedroom. It's got an outside source as well. It's, it's not the, is it something small? That'd be quite nice. Apparently one, one could be popped in a cab for me. Oh, really? Oh. Well, have, you, have you got one there now? <laughs> That's a nice idea. I like that idea. Really? Oh. How big are these things, then? I mean, what is it? Is it a huge piece of equipment, or is it just... Oh. Oh, send one over. No, we don't know, we don't know what to do. Find out on the, on the internet. We'll have a look and see if we can find out. Oh, bad news. Bernie Nolan. Uh, she's got the, uh, the cancer back. Not the best thing. Not the best thing that you can, uh, that you can hear, I'm afraid. And, uh, oh, it's an asthma pump, is it? This, oh, right. It dilates the bronchial, decreasing resistance and, the, and increasing airflow to the lungs. Oh. oh, we like the sound of this. We like one of these. That sounds like a good idea. Oh, it's, it's an asthma inhaler. Oh. <coughs> is that going to be good for a chesty cough with a diabetic? I don't know. Let us know. Anybody's got one to hand, you know, pop it in the post to us. A little bit late by that time. Anyway, just going back, because I notice that the Nolans have cancelled their farewell tour. Now, I don't know if that's anything to do with Bernie's cancer coming back or or what, but because it's come back, she said, don't pity me, don't do anything else, you know, it's it's terminal, but I'm going to beat it, even though she's been told by the doctors, because cancer, when it comes back a second time, tends to come back, through my experience, uh, a little bit harder than it does, because it learns to fight and it's it's almost like a little boxer, a little boxer like that. And so first time round, they manage to sort of annihilate it. There's always one little tiny bit that hangs around, and that's the bit that learns what to do. And it's almost like, I mean, it's got a mind of its own cancer. And so it comes back, and it comes back far more virulent and uh, far more aggressive than it was first time round. So the doctors are probably quite right when they say, there's nothing we can do about it. It will just run its course. And so she said she's going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, just get on with life and do, do the best she can, which is, which is all you can do. There'll be all the support within the NHS and Macmillan nurses and all the other people. They can, they can do all sorts of things now, and so they make things a bit easier for you. <clears throat> now, it's, it is terrible. Now, whether or not that's the reason that they've cancelled the tour, I couldn't tell you. I just know there's a message on the website saying, you know, um, thank, now, they either cancelled it for that or... Um, or they cancelled it because there was lack of interest, because people saw it. They only toured a short while ago, and then all of a sudden they come back with the farewell tour. And uh, there is a, a piece in, the, in one of the papers today about the family and about uh, how, how bad things are in the family. You know, just what, just what disasters have fallen them. Everything from, from sex abuse to uh, drink... Uh, alcohol problems, rows. It's all, it's all a bit sad, really. All a bit sad. And uh, so she said, you know, ta to everybody for, for sort of, you know, pitching up and saying, listen, good luck. Because it's not nice, is it? Whichever way you look at it, if somebody's having to deal with things like that, you can only offer your, your support. There's also the teen suicide bomber in uh, Afghanistan, a young militant. And so they undid his coat. He was disguised as a policeman and he's got explosives strapped around his, uh, his body. He doesn't look old enough to know any different, I'm afraid, poor soul, which isn't, uh, isn't particularly pleasant, but at least they caught him. Uh, plus, 
plus, plus, plus, plus, plus. Oh, yes, I mentioned the fact we're all, we're all reptiles. We're all holograms, apparently, ruled by reptiles, according to David Icke. Who's as balmy as a brush, I'm afraid. And uh, we found an internet troll... And uh, we'll be naming and shaming on the programme a little bit later on. Uh, I see Cheryl Cole, Cheryl, or just shh, uh, which kind of sums up her singing, uh, opens up on love, life and why she's not a victim. Good, now go away. Thank you, had enough of you. No talented old midget. (laughs) Goodness me, honestly. Every time I open up the papers and there she is, I always think to myself, oh, God, what am I... Oh, no, no point in reading your stars today. They always depress me thoroughly, I'm afraid. I get very, very depressed reading about my stars. We'll have a quick look in the uh, Express after we've said this. This is LBC 97. Morning, Lou. <clears throat> just thought I'd say that now, you know, sort of get that out. Yeah, because she's having to do early. I don't know if it's just a one-off today or if it's just... Uh, if it's for this week, we don't know. Is she there now? Oh, she's not... Oh, blah. Woo! She's not there now. I bet she's gone back to sleep. I bet she's gone... Oh, I've sent, sent a text to see. I'll just... I'll just, just get I've done that before. I woke up this morning. I woke up early. I woke up about 20 to 1. And I thought, oh, it was so warm. I'd had the heating on and it was cosy and warm. You just don't want to move. And then I thought, I'll bounce out of bed because I do bounce out of bed. And that's when the coughing started. And so now Frankie's told us it's not an inhaler. It's tablets. Three times a day, five milligrams. Sound wonderful, don't they? I don't really want to start doing pill popping for everything. Otherwise, you've got a, a pill for most things. It's, it comes and goes, as you can hear on the programme. Now, perfectly fine. You watch. Minutes time, it'll be back back coughing again. <clears throat> Somebody else has said they were groped. Uh, the former BBC sports reporter Sally Jones says she was groped by Jimmy Savile. And she said, uh, apparently, you know, take your hands off me and don't ever touch me again. Uh, she kept quiet about it for the sake of her career, but said it left her mentally scarred. <clears throat> See, that's the difference. If the, the reason it becomes abuse is when somebody touches you and you go, don't do that. You know, or you push somebody's hands away or whatever it happens to be. That's when it becomes abuse. That's like non-consensual sex. That's a... What point can a woman say no? The answer is, any time she wants. Any time she wants. That's... After that, it becomes rape. And exactly the same in these abuse cases. And quite clearly, Jimmy Savile, and uh, we know because he's convicted as a paedophile, Gary Glitter, Paul Gadd, you know, were people who liked little girls... And I don't know what age, I don't know what went on, I don't know if Jimmy Savile just groped people or if he had sex, I don't know. Because there's so much information coming out now, I mean, it's enormous. Then it turns out that he had a, a holiday cottage in Glencoe, and people have started writing all over it. It doesn't matter where places are now, people write over buildings. It could be in the middle of nowhere, and somebody writes on it. I mean, people with a mental ability of a cabbage... Go and write things on, you know, on places and on garages and on shutters. And it doesn't matter where it is. It can be in Shepherd's Bush, you know, actually on a busy road and somebody's spray paint. I used to watch every morning coming in. They would have the people who were who were pasting up uh, all the pop posters until they made it illegal. And you don't really see that as much now. And I would watch them in the morning, pulling up in a very smart van, getting their bucket of paste out, slopping it all over a wall and sticking posters up. Well, those you don't see because they started prosecuting. A bit like squatters now. You can't really squat anywhere because they, they, they prosecute people, which is, which is actually actually good news. Uh, it is going to be cold today. It is going to be cold. Really moving into, um, into winter, I'm afraid. Uh, and now the EU want to ban hairdressers in high heel shoes. Have you noticed the one thing that we've got at the moment? It's a proliferation of Polish hairdressers everywhere because they set up you just need to find a shop 
and uh, you buy a couple of chairs. And, in fact, you don't even need to be able to do hairdressing. You just bring somebody in, and they, they come in, and they do hairdressing, and you pay them 60 quid a day or 70 quid a day, and they just cut hair for you, and you take the rest of the money. That's what it is. And you think to yourself, my God... I mean, in Twickenham, we must have ten hairdressers, at least... At least ten hairdressers. You know, I said, I mean, there isn't enough uh, work to go round for all of them. So, in fact, uh, one of them has closed three times now, and each time somebody does it up again and thinks that they know what they're going to do, but they, they've got no idea with this hairdresser because they've covered the window with adverts for hair products. And, of course, as anybody in Britain will tell you, cover the windows and we can't see in. We're not going in. And that's what's happened to them. They, you know, they, they quite clearly didn't learn first time round. I felt like going in and going, the reason you've got no business is because we can't see into your shop. If you cover it all up with adverts, because if we peer in, you know, that's what we want to see in. We want to see in the window of a shop. If there's people queuing, it's a good barber's. If there's nobody in there, it's rubbish. Nobody's using it. Very soon, 29 million Bulgarians and Romanians can soon move to Britain. It'll be nice. I wonder what their chips taste like. Might as well try them as well. And there's lots of pictures of a bit of snow yesterday. And there's a man called Paul Kramer in County Durham and his son, Jonathan, uh, who went tobogganing tobogganing. Lovely, because the because the, the, the snow, they had a light dusting of snow and we all went out there. I did promise you over the weekend there would be some snow. And people kept saying to me, no, 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 no. We won't get any snow. And the answer is, yes, 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 yes. Uh, 84850, uk. More on Louise Mensch, more on uh, Bernie Nolan. And I'm trying to find this other story about the Nolans, actually. And I can't remember which, which paper is in. I'm assuming... That it's Oh, every time I see a picture of John Burko, I always think to myself, he's got a personalised number plate with that naff wife of his. Tragedies, feuds, sexual abuse are now more heartache for these singing sisters, as Bernie Nolan says the cancer is incurable. Um, she says here she's not worked for two years since Brian died because I simply haven't been able to. When the idea for the tour came up, the girl said, go for it, it's given me a reason to get out of bed. And so they were going to... But they're now not. It's on hold again. So I don't know how many of you listening at the moment uh, bought tickets for the Nolans. I suspect not very many because they've only just come back from a tour. Why would they want to go out for another tour? Status Quo is still touring. And uh, Matt Cardle will have some new dates to announce shortly. And Madness are still touring. Everybody's touring. Everybody's touring at the moment. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um... The curse of the Nolans goes on because you remember when they came back touring, they excluded Anne. They claimed that she was excluded because the record company stipulated it should only comprise the four most successful Nolans, prompting Anne to go to the press, accusing her sisters of stabbing her in the back. Well, of course they did. They stabbed her right between the shoulder blades and the ringleader of it, Colleen, as far as I'm concerned. That's it. Colleen's guilty of everything. She's the one who brought out the fitness DVD. Never worked. She's the one who never sang on the Nolan hits. So Anne... Was, was relegated. It's ridiculous. Uh, they could have had five of us on stage, she said, and they have in the past. Let's face it, even Nolan fans don't know what sister sang on what hit. Nobody has a clue. Anne had lost everything when her marriage ended in 97. The same year, Colleen split from Shane Ritchie and was diagnosed with breast cancer. And, uh, and so it goes on. So it goes on. I mean, they are the family tainted now, of course, in the paper today, Bernie, with the inoperable cancer, because it's secondary cancer. And uh, it's, it's just, I mean, sad, whichever way you look at it. Sad for anybody who gets uh, anything like that, because it is, it is, I suppose, for her, like a death sentence. But she's being positive. She's being very positive about it and saying, you know, we're actually going, you know, for 
all the right things, and we just have to do what we have to do. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. No, there aren't any squatters at all now. They're, it's now illegal. Absolutely illegal. It's been uh, been taken off. 84850, steve at uk, which is uh, fantastic. Uh, lovely, lovely picture of a woman here swimming with a tiger in a pool, but it's a, it's a cub. There's something lovely about tiger cubs. I know they can kill. I know they're very dangerous. But when they're like giant pussycats, they are absolutely fantastic. Uh, 84850-stevedlbc.co.uk. Oh, they're going to be doing uh, a programme on one of our greatest national treasures. They're celebrating the 60th year, the 60th career year, of uh, the fabulous Sir David Attenborough. So they're going to be... I mean, he just is the best person ever. He just is the best person. And so they're going to be uh, doing a nice nice programme as a tribute to him, which is good, isn't it? I did watch Downton Abbey last night. Oh, my God. That's taken a turn, hasn't it? I forgot we'd had people dying and um, and we've had people doing all sorts of things in Downton Abbey. I mean, the the exciting bit is there's just as much going on downstairs as there is upstairs. It's all very, very exciting. I love it. I absolutely love it. So, we've uh, already established this morning that you're not opening bank statements. And as we head for... <coughs> excuse me, Halloween, um, they've done a poll for a magazine to fight the top eight monsters. I'm going to give a flying forex, I tell you. This must be... This, I don't know what this costs them, but they've wasted their money. Number eight, because apparently people are picking out the scariest monsters from all the movies over the years. Number eight is The Phantom of the Opera. See, I never thought he was scary at all. I thought he was nice. I liked him. I liked the Phantom of the Opera. I'm here, the Phantom of the Opera. Uh, number seven is the Mummy. I think I've worked with that one. And that's the person in bandages who sort of, you know, crawls out of a sarcophagus. Six is the Invisible Man. Oh, how many times have you ever thought to yourself, ladies and gentlemen, there was never the Invisible Woman, have you noticed? Never the Invisible Woman, but always the Invisible Man. How you would want to be the Invisible Man. Oh, where you would go. Oh, dear. You could have a field day, couldn't you? You could have an absolute field day. I quite like that idea. Number five, I don't know anything about this one, but I've heard of it. The Bride of Frankenstein. I'm assuming it's the woman who married Frankenstein and became the Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, four is the Wolfman. The Wolfman is the, uh, the sort of thing that grows hair all, o- all over his body. A bit like Richard Keyes from TVAM. He, he was the hairiest man on television. I mean, his, his, the hair, you could watch it growing during the programme. There used to be a bloke on Brookside. I can't remember what his name was now. And he, again, was covered in hair. He had it grown up his back, over his shoulders. He could practically comb it into a, into a toupee. Uh, three, the creature from the Black Lagoon. I think I worked with that. And uh, two, Dracula. See, I never thought was Dracula was particularly frightening. And number one, Frankenstein's monster. <coughs> I'm assuming that's the one that um, that he he made. He sort of created. Good fun either way, wasn't it? So for those people heading up to Halloween, and people will be going, ooh, and then they'll be banging on your front door, going trick or treat. I'll be going. I'm not in. I'm not in. Can't hear you. Can't hear you. I don't do any of that trick or treating rubbish. I really don't. My auntie Enid does. She loved, well, in fact, last year, bless her heart, because the tablets hadn't kicked in properly. And so the home she's in, stuck her in a wheelbarrow, dressed her up as a guy, and went round getting money for the guy. I think she was under the illusion she was going to be burnt on a bonfire. 
would have been quite a nice idea, but unfortunately it wasn't going to happen. So uh, this year, I think they're actually just sort of sitting her outside the home because she looks scary enough as it is. And then it'll be for Halloween. But we're doing Halloween now in the way that the Americans did Halloween a long time ago. And we don't do Halloween. It's not one of our big things. But I've noticed all the supermarkets are absolutely full of Halloween costumes. And you can buy any amount of things and makeup and stuff like that and blood capsules. Foam. I'm not dressed. No, this is me dressed up for Halloween. This is what I look like for Halloween. I've got no intention of, you know, wearing anything else. I mean, some people around this building will no doubt be going out to Halloween parties dressed up as scary. Oh, sorry. Dressed up as scary things. You know, just trying to frighten me. You know, people sort of just wearing black or something like that and going out onto the streets of London. Perhaps with a little bit of, you know, white makeup. They wear a lot of white makeup with a little, little trickle of blood down the corner of their mouth. But I used to like those foaming blood capsules. You put them in, you bite them, and all of a sudden, oh, it's horrible. <laughs> I don't know why anybody would ever want it. But uh, no, no trick-and-treating around uh, Twickenham. It's far too posh. Don't do anything like that. Uh, 84850, steve at They've got a bit on the front page of the paper there, and you know it's going to be, don't you? It says, does being beautiful make you boring? And, um, and so they found a couple, of, uh, a couple of women to talk about whether or not being beautiful makes you boring, and they dragged out the deeply, deeply unattractive Samantha Brick. I mean, every time you look at this woman, I mean, the word plain springs to... Poor soul, she can't help it. You know, never attractive, never good-looking, and the husband is... Oh, dear. And so they've said here... So that they've also asked somebody else, and I can't remember... Oh, Shona Seabury. I don't know who she is. She's nobody, I suppose. A bit like Samantha Brick. And so Samantha Plain Brick, you know, because, you know... You know, having turned up on the television. And so she's here. They say two rather different women slug it out, but they basically turn around and say it's Samantha, surprise, surprise, brick again, droning on about, you know, the fact... I mean, really, Samantha, have you thought about getting your teeth done and perhaps, you know, your hair, less bleach on it? I don't know, just to make you more attractive to people. Yourself, I should imagine. News is next. On FM, online. Morning. Monday morning. Dreadful, isn't it? Dreadful weather. Damp, miserable, overcast, autumnal, and nearly bonfire night, which is very nice. So lots of people will be having fireworks uh, this Saturday, which I think is November the 3rd, I think, this coming Saturday. So that'll be nice. There'll be fireworks going off all over the place. I love fireworks. I love them. Can't get enough of them, actually. Uh, sorry to hear you coughing, says Sue in Teddington. Uh, the composition of the asthma pump is uh, salbutominol or something. I don't think you can buy it over the counter. No, you can't buy those. But these are tablets, apparently. So somebody says in... Oh, blimey. In, uh, in A&E. God knows what's happened to the, uh, the thing there. It's gone completely peculiar. 84850, Steve Elby's... Oh, have we? Oh, right. We got... Oh, right. So it's, it's, this is a backlog of emails, is it? Good Lord. Oh, right. Can we... Can we? Oh, right. What, they've just started appearing? Good heavens above. There's loads of them just popped in for some strange reason. And a lot of them seem to be from the same person. So is that the same person sending them? Oh, right. Bill says, Hallmark Christmas cards. You pick the right day to get glitter all over the newspapers. That's obviously a little play on words. That's coming about 500 times this morning. It's a bit odd, isn't it, really? So it's nice to know that we, uh, we yes, it's the same one, it's, it's reprint. I think when some people send a text me- or an email now, if you sort of push the button a few times, it sends it that many times. I don't think people have, have quite realised. But uh, thank you very much indeed. Uh, 84850. And uh, Jim says, great show, love hearing your realistic approach 
to some of the reality show nonsense that the media channels force-feed today's youth. Perhaps one day, decent parents will realise reality shows will do nothing but harm to the young, morals and values severely damaged. Well, as you heard earlier on, I mean, the, the morals went out a long time ago, I'm afraid. Long, long time ago. You know, we just don't seem to... We, we just have particularly low morals now. We just, uh, we seem to think that anything goes on the television. The more bad behaviour you get from people like Holly, Holly Willoughby on Celebrity Juice. Not on this this morning, but on Celebrity Juice. Oh, that reminds me, actually. The editor of Daybreak has gone already. The editor of Daybreak has gone. And so what they've done is they've given it to Carl Newton. Now, you know Carl because he was the producer of Loose Women and was the producer, I think up until recently, of This Morning. But they've moved him to Daybreak, hoping that uh, what he can do is use his magic. He's going to love getting up at that time of the morning. Not. <coughs> because it's such a pain. You know, if you have to get up early in the morning, you don't really want to do that all the time. So he's going to be the new editor of Daybreak. So that'll be very... It'll be interesting to see what the first... Can you do the first thing, Carl, for me? Can you please change what Alid Jones wears in the morning? The suit don't look right. It really doesn't. The set's not right. You know, it should be comfy. It should, you know, it should resemble like a, an old sort of uh, an old sitting room kind of thing. That's what it should be. It should be something like that. I don't know whether Jordan had a go at her ex over the weekend. I'll tell you the reason I don't know is because I um, I didn't get the paper. So I've got no idea, which is uh, which is a bit of a shame. But if I find out later, I will let you know. I will let you know. But if somebody else has, has got the paper which had Jordan's column in it, did she mention Leandro? I wonder whether or not he was... I, I did predict that at some point she'd be selling her side of the story. And I did I did predict that it, it would be something uh, like that. Uh, 84850. Noreen says, Samantha Brick, attractive. I know. I know. The trouble is, it's so hilarious. She's such an... She, the trouble is, she's such a non-entity. She's such an insecure, desperately sad, lonely person that if she says that, she thinks it makes it interesting. And so she's, she's looking for an edge. But, I mean, she knows she's not attractive. Uh, very sad news about Bernie Nolan. But as we said a few weeks ago, oh, and toured until very recently on music shows and sang on the hits. Colleen didn't. So why all five didn't tour the last time? Well, according to Colleen... And as I say, I wouldn't trust her any more than anybody else in the family. Uh, the record company didn't want Anne to tour with them. And yet Colleen never sang on any of the hits. So what was she doing there? She was, you know, she was there for fraudulent reasons. They said they wanted, you know, famous people on there. They wanted the, the most famous sisters. Well, I mean, that's like airbrushing Anne out of history, isn't it? Which is terrible. Uh, Teresa has an 18th birthday today. She's not in this country. She's in America. She hasn't gone to America to avoid this programme. She's gone there because because that's where she is. But she does listen, which is quite good. Without doubt, says Thomas, so happy birthday. Without doubt, the scariest movie ever is Hitchcock's Psycho. No, see, I thought, you see, the producer thinks the birds. But there again, she's, you know, she gets frightened walking through St. James's Park. So quite clearly she wouldn't like things like People don't like flappy, flappy pigeons and stuff like that. you know if uh, i remember years and years ago we had a pigeon not a pigeon it was a bird fall down our chimney in yorkshire and of course the worst thing is that they're so disoriented you can't open the windows quick enough so this thing flies around the room banging into the walls putting soot all over the oh it was a nightmare in the end we managed to get the window open and got it out but the mess it left 
So that's why you see a lot of chimneys with covers on now. You don't want, you don't want birds falling down your chimney. Do you? Nothing worse than Jordan arriving in the hearth. Only, of course, if the fire's lit, ladies and gentlemen, would that be of any interest to anybody listening to this programme at the moment. Uh, Christine in Bristol it says, I've also got the cough. Yes, it's, I mean, it's dreadful, isn't it? It's so annoying. I've, I felt so annoyed with myself because every time I get this cough, I'm having to sort of do the programme. Well, I don't have to do the programme, but uh, I, I think I'm, I'm determined to try and work my way through it. And every time I fail miserably. So it's at times, all of a sudden, you just you have, to, you have to cough. You can't really think about it. But sitting in the back of the cab this morning, that was the worst. That was, I thought, oh, I'm going to be ill. I'm going to be ill in the back of the car. So uh, I have sympathy, Christine. I know exactly what it is. Jan says, can somebody tell Claudia Winkleman to stop wearing pale lipstick? It's weird. Yes, it doesn't suit her pale lipstick, does it? I don't know why she's why she wears it all the time. I suppose because she's probably always worn it. It's like women wearing the same, here we go, wearing the same size bra over the years. And yet most women are wearing the wrong size bra. So if you go to Rigby and Pella, they measure you. So you can find out what size bra you're supposed to be wearing. And they've, they've told me in the past that, um, that 90% of women going in there are wearing the wrong size. So uh, there's something to put on your to-do list today. Uh, beauty is only skin deep. People are so shallow. Oh, I was delighted to tell you that Clive Hershon, who used to be on LBC years ago, He's retired now, and uh, he was a theatre critic. Very good theatre critic, Clive Hershon. And we used to use him all the time. What he did over his career, he amassed books. He bought first edition books, books like Casino Royale, To Kill a Mockingbird. He bought all sorts of things. He bought first editions. If he could, he got them signed, and then he literally put them away. He didn't read them. He didn't look at them. He didn't do anything at all. And they came up for auction the other week. And there was a piece in the paper that I read out saying that they were due to fetch this extraordinary amount of money. How much money do you think he got, which is for his retirement now, so he doesn't need to worry. It paid off all these books that he bought over the years, £744,000. I mean, that's just amazing. Just amazing. They were hoping for a million. Some of the books didn't get the amount, but I think one of them went for... Something like £162,000 for a book. I think some of the Casino Royales and things like that were going for £20,000. But £744,000. So, well done, Clive. And I hope that uh, that you enjoyed that. That was a very, very good investment. It's a bit like Geoffrey Archer said to me once, if you want to collect art, buy art you like, not art that's going to appreciate in value. If you buy something you like the look of then just, that, that's, that's the best way to buy art. It, it works. Oh, it's my tummy as well. Go, go on, I've got the set this morning. What with the, the coughing and everything else? <coughs> what is it? What is it? It's what? Biscuit? What, for a cough? You mad? No, no, no. God, no. Oh, no, definitely not a biscuit. Not this morning. Uh, another one here. It says, marvellous to hear, Steve, that 29 million destitute Bulgarians and Romanians will be allowed to be crammed in here. Don't we have enough people? We are that little crowded island, aren't we? We are that little crowded island, I'm afraid, but, um, but, uh, that is, is vastly overcrowded. But everywhere I go, they're putting up flats. I was at the bottom of Kensington High Street the other day, driving through... Why? I've got no... Oh, that's right, I was going walking in Regent's Park. And uh, opposite the Kensington Hilton... They're putting up this enormous... They, they knocked down a 70s office block to put up huge apartments. And yet, if you rem- remember, the ones at Knightsbridge, which I think is called Number One Hyde Park, which is linked into the Mandarin Oriental Hotel, half the flats, even more than half, are not occupied. And in fact, what they've done is, and I think it's quite funny, 
just between you and me and the gatepost, when I drive past her in the morning, they've started putting the lights on in some of the flats to make it look as though they're occupied, because otherwise the building would be in darkness, because they're so expensive. And, and I, I went past this morning, and they put the lights on in the, some of the upper apartments, which, of course, is hilarious, because you can see that the ceilings are still, you know, the brick in there. They haven't done anything to it. So there's nobody living... I don't think there's anybody living there at all. It must be costing them a small fortune. They're going to have to bring the price down. They're way too expensive. I think they start at something like three million. If not more, I don't know. I can't remember, actually, really. Uh, 84850, uh, I'm glad to see that 99.9% of you absolutely love, love fireworks. Can't get enough of fireworks. Thank you so much. I'm so glad it's not just me. You know, and and nobody's worried by them at all. I mean, pets, yeah, but then you can buy this thing, which I told you about last week, which you put the coat on the dog and they're fine. But, uh, oh, no, I love fireworks. Like, indoor fireworks, especially. They are particularly good. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Sometimes it's quite therapeutic having a little cough, actually. It's like sort of your, your mum rubbing your tummy years ago. I nearly went, I was sitting in the car thinking, perhaps I should get some Vic Vapor Rub. I need to go to Boots the Chemist and rub that on my little chest. And then, and then that'll sort of, and you get that warm glow feeling. Reminds me of a funny story, which I can't tell you on the programme, I'm afraid, this morning, but it doesn't matter. But it does involve Vic Vapor Rub. Very funny. Uh, Bob says, uh, good morning. Oh, well, there you go. Just good morning. That was, that was the extent of it today. We're just, doing, we're just doing, it's the morning and it's very cold outside. And people are free. People are wrapping up. People are wrapping up. Because you have to. Because it's blooming freezing out there. If you've got heating, put it on. If you haven't, put, put thermals on. That was Duncan's advice. Wear thermals. I've just got this horrible feeling he possesses them. I don't know why. News headlines with Sam Pittis. Tens of thousands of people in the northeastern Union. Point three, London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, Pete and Karen were in Grand Canaria last week, and it was uh, they were sipping cocktails in the Rio Palace, thirty degrees. It's lovely, that Rio Palace, isn't it? Well, you're in Maspalomas. Maspalomas one is much nicer than the one around the corner. But uh, lovely gardens, looking out over the sand dunes out to North Africa, I think it is. But, uh, no, I thought the hotel was great. It's nice because it it's an oasis of calm in a, in a fairly sort of busy place. You don't need to go anywhere. The food in the hotel, I thought, was excellent. The rooms were comfy. It was lovely. I thought it was really, really nice. We've got one that overlooks the sea at the front. Whoa! German hospitality, as they say. Uh, Karen Horsham says, um, can I have another rocket impersonation to see me off on my Nile cruise? Oh, a Nile cruise. <laughs> Two rockets this morning. It's, that's an old line from, a, from an old show. Who is it now? It must be Victoria Wood, where uh, one of the, um, the actresses on it is being a children's presenter. And she says... And so-and-so's written in to say, can I have two bunny... Sorry, can I have 13 bunny hops for my birthday? No, you can't. I'm a children announcer, not Fatima Whitbread. Which is such a great line. I always thought I want to do that. Uh, <coughs> any heat on your throat makes it worse. Cold drinks and food provide relief. I'm doing cold drinks. I'm doing water. It's not making it any better, I promise you. I don't mind. I don't, as long as you can put up with it, nobody cares, do they, really? There's no point in sort of worrying about anything like that. It's, it's doing the rounds. It's a little bit of a virus, and I'm just going to have to be brave, I'm afraid. You're going to have to be brave, too, because Paul says, um, 
Good enough to say belated happy birthday to Miss Diane. She celebrated on Saturday and is now over 39. Oh, dear, when I get to there, I'll tell you. He says, love from Paul, Diana from Richmond, Jackie, who's on holiday in India at the moment and still listening, Marion, Jill, Mike, Vivian, Suzanne, Terry, Gloria, Karen, Laura and Ellen. He says, I'm very sorry to say I've not taken your advice. Now, this is the advice, and I'm sorry to say this. He said, for several months now, I've been downloading the early shows from 2008, but have been taking my time doing it. You have kept saying, do them before they fall off the end. Well, I'm sadly on Saturday, I found that in one go, the last seven months of 2008 dropped off the end. Now, this is because the amount of bandwidth that we have. So, in other words, if you don't download these podcasts of mine from 2008, uh, in a few weeks, they'll have dropped off and they will not be retrievable. Okay, so my advice is that if, like Paul, he lost seven months' worth, that's a lot of podcasting. My advice is, and I've said to you before, that as they add new podcasts every day, so today there will be another 20 or so podcasts, and to make space for them, the other end of the podcast, if you imagine it's like a conveyor belt with lots of cakes on it, they just drop off to make room for the new ones coming on. (coughs) So my advice is far bit for me to push you this hard on it, but you need to download the podcast as quick as possible because, unlike Paul, who has lost seven months' worth in one go, he went there to find them and they vanished because they're off the end, you need... He said, uh, he said they now start on January the 1st, 2009. So everyone, he says, if you want to listen to all the old guests, make sure you get them done pronto. I did catch Keith Lemon over the weekend, and after Biggin's appearance last week, the person behind the screen was your little friend, Eggnog Quig, full of tattoos and earrings. When asked what he's doing at the moment, no mention of a recent record deal, but uh, the old standby, Panto. In fact, not aged well. In fact, more like deer in the headlights than before, his hair seemingly with a mind of its own. The Come Dine, an old one with Sally and co, new edition, 5.30 Saturday Four Monday to Friday, and now new Aussie ones on Saturday. The Aussie ones aren't as good, I'm afraid. I'm not. I'm not as big a fan of the. I mean, I like Aussie people. Couldn't eat a whole one, but I mean, I, th- I think they're all right just to watch on the television for their home and away. Because I love seeing how many spots the boys have got and how much makeup they've got on to cover them. Because now we've got all this airbrushing stuff going out. It's it's very good, isn't it? Uh, <clears throat> Samantha Brick was a nasty piece of work. Steve on Big Brother writes one of my uh, regulars. Yes, I mean she's just a horrible person anyway. Not a very, uh, not a very nice person at all, I'm afraid. And um, yes, strangely enough, Noreen. And um, yes, I mean, I, I, I don't understand that one either. I can't say anything on air because Noreen knows what I'm talking about. And um, it's all very strange, isn't it? That I thought that was very, very strange, very, very strange. And for all the bits on there, we had we had reservations as well. Well, the producer's looking at it, not it. We, we thought it was very odd at the same time. And, uh, oh, oh, got, got an email rushed in. I need Vic on my chest. I know, but where is he when you want him? And not on shift, is he? Ah, da, 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 da. <laughs> the old ones are the best. I'm looking forward to... <coughs> sorry, cup of coffee this morning. I brought in my little... Oh, I was gonna, I've had to... I'm sorry to admit the fact, but I've, I've had to... I went back to Starbucks the other day. Because I, I know, I know, don't, don't, please shoot me. Because, you know, I, I boycotted Starbucks because they weren't paying their tax properly. But I, I've now realised that I have to boycott eBay, Vodafone. There's loads of companies that I have to boycott because they're not paying the right amount of tax. eBay are paying even less. Not that I ever use eBay. 
But, uh, no, very strange. Sorry, very strange, Noreen, that, that story. Very, very strange, indeed. I didn't, I didn't get it at all. Uh, 84850, uk because it's Monday. Because it's Monday. Uh, and Jez says, uh, I too adore fireworks, even though they annoy dog owners. The same dogs that are allowed to poo down my road make my park a no-go zone and bark at all hours. Yes, whenever we go walking in uh, Regent's Park with the dog, we have to take... Well, I don't, because I don't do things like that. I have people who do it. Uh, a supply of carrier bags in your pocket to pick up. Because they, they get very funny in Regent's Park if you don't pick up after your dog. Because it's just rude and disgusting. You know, and people should do it. And, um, and a lot of people don't, I'm afraid. So you're quite right. Not all dogs <coughs> uh, don't like fireworks. Quite a number of dogs do do like them. Steve on the Medway says, was it me, or with the exception of Kai, not one of the contestants or the judges on the X Factor last night, was sporting a poppy? Not good and a missed opportunity to support our servicemen and women who gave and still give so much. <coughs> Excuse me, I think they'll wear them next week. I think they'll wear them next week. I don't think they're going to start wearing On Sky, some people are wearing them, some people aren't wearing them. And uh, I've got one, but I, I left it on my other jacket which is, uh, which is uh, a bit of a pain, really. So I might have to go and... I, might be... I mean, officially, you don't have to start wearing it. And as, as Duncan says, officially, you don't have to wear it at all. You don't have to buy a poppy. You really don't. There's no, there's no pressure on you. I mean, I'll push you as much as possible. I'll push you as much as possible to have a poppy. Because I think that it's for the people that gave their lives. I think that, 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 that's what you're, you're doing it for. And whatever you pay for it, 50p or a pound... Uh, because the, the producer paid three pounds more than the norm for one the other day, but it fell off. Was that a was that a, a, a metal poppy? No, that wasn't. That was, and it just well, you just have to buy another one. You can't go up to them and say, "Listen, I did spend three pounds the other day. I know it's over the odds, but um, I'm I'm hoping maybe you can give me a replacement poppy." No, I think you have to go and buy another one. And so, I mean, I mean, you know, I don't think it takes anything just to give a couple of quid. I mean, people will judge you if you don't have one. People will point at you in the street. People will laugh openly, not at, not behind your back, in front of you. In front, they'll go, Poppy, no, no Poppy, nor Poppy, nor Likey. You know, and, and that, you know, nor war, nor Poppy. That's how it's going to have to be. You have to, I think you should buy one. I think you should. But this way, if you think all the people who go out in pubs this weekend for the Halloween and they've, you know, they've been, and you think for, you know, the price of less than a pint, you can have a Poppy and you can do some good with it. You know, it's the, it's the one time. And we have them on the reception desk here. If you're round the end of the area, you can pop in and buy one here. They're all over the place. Don't don't think you can't get one. I can't make you buy a poppy. I'm hoping that if I sort of beat you down slowly but surely, you might all buy one. I think you should buy one. I think you should buy one. I think you should. It's, I'll tell you what, it's, it's for people who are patriotic. Oh, sorry, I've, I've just realised but that's why Courtney's downstairs. You can't just walk in and buy a poppy, I don't think. Perhaps they should put the poppy tin down with Courtney. Perhaps Courtney could start selling poppies, poor soul. But, uh, no, I mean, I, put it away, it's, it's a patriotic... If you don't love your, your country and you don't love what you've got at the moment, don't buy a poppy. Simple as that. But if you're patriotic, and I know, I know many... <coughs> excuse me, many, many, many of you are, then you buy a poppy. That's just it. Whether it's a metal poppy or a, or a poppy made in the poppy factory down at Richmond, you buy a poppy. If you're patriotic, if you're proud of what we've got, if you're proud of the freedom that you've got, if you're proud of everything, you know, make you proud to be English, British, whatever you want to be, buy a poppy. Okay, no excuses. I even expect to see them tied to dogs' collars as well. Thank you very much indeed. 
You know, it's the Royal British Legion. They want to they want to raise a lot of money this year, and we want them to raise a lot of money. Um, Jeff in Hemel Hempstead. I love your programme, Steve, but I have to get up in the middle of the night. I cannot do anything about that, Geoffrey. I, I mean, I am delighted to say that we are the only programme being listened to in London. At this, I mean, there are other radio stations, don't get me wrong. I'm not that bitter and twisted that I have to sort of deny all other radio stations. It's just that most people choose to listen to this one. So for that, I'm eternally grateful. So uh, 84850, uh Some of the other stories in the papers today... Uh, Camilla's secret trip to India. She's going for some spiritual healing. Now, I don't know if that's massage. I'm not good with massage. I don't like it at all. I had a massage once on my birthday. It's the most awful experience of my life. Some people love it. They love these uh, spiritual massages where you lie there. And um, I remember seeing, was it one of the Dimblebees? He went to Russia. Or Russia. And uh, he had one of those ones where big burly men soap you down with... Um, a bit carried away here. Uh, they, they sort of get these huge sponges and loofers, and uh, and you lie, nothing on, on a on a marble slab, and and they then soap you down. And apparently, it's really it, it invigorates the body. On second thoughts, I think oh, how much it cost to get a trip to Russia. I don't know. Anyway, but I mean, it's it's supposed to be really good for you. And then they sort of douse you in cold water. That's the bit that brings you back. I'd have a heart attack. But I quite like the idea because there's, there's one part of your body that you find very difficult to reach. When you're having the shower, your back, the middle of your back. And I've just found in the bathroom, I don't know how I'd lost it, I've got no idea. It's a thing with string attached to it. And it's like a loofah, but on t- with handles at either end. So you can go like that. And it was really good. I did it the other day and I felt like a new person. I felt like a new person. It was really, really good. And it was it was then we were talking about the massaging and then with, with the Duchess going off for yoga at door. I don't do yoga. I cannot do yoga. But, I mean, I'd love the idea of somebody to come in and do one of those really good Russian massages. That sounds quite a good idea, actually, doesn't it? I, I like the idea. I like the idea a lot of that. Let's go back to some more of it. Um, Steve, nobody begrudges giving the poppy people money, but why should we wear them? You don't have to. I'm not insisting anybody should wear them at all. You do it for your conscience. It's as simple as that. It's 5.30. Helen. Morning. Is that by proxy? Yeah. 26 minutes to 6. Monday morning. It's cold. It's damp. It's autumnal. And if you, you're having a day in bed today, I'm very jealous. In fact, we're all very jealous of anybody who can just lie there in bed thinking... Especially because I used to love it when, when you were ill in bed because your mum would come up and go, all right, you don't have to go to school today. Go, oh, thank God for that. And, uh, and, you, and then all of a sudden you'd start feeling slightly better. You'd start feeling a little bit better. And she'd go, oh, no, I think I'll just stay in bed. Well, perhaps I can get up and, and come and watch television. No, best you stay in bed. Oh, God. So you'd stay in bed and then your mum would say, I'll bring you up some Marmite on toast. I always remember Marmite on toast associated sickness in our house. I just like Robinson's barley water, and then your mother would bring up a bowl with a bit of Dettol in the bottom in case you were sick. It was the smell of the Dettol that used to make you feel sick. As you'd have a bit, I can just manage a little bit of toast, Mum. That three or four slices, if, you're, if that's all right with you, and uh, with some Marmite on. So my mum would do me, do me some toast with Marmite on, and that apparently made you feel better in the morning. <clears throat> doesn't do anything for a cough, I'm afraid, but it doesn't matter. I don't mind. They were talking about if you want to lose weight. You know that we, we've already done the diets, haven't we? We've, we've, we've done, if you want to do diets, little and often, exercise, all that kind of stuff. Whereas, in fact, all you need is a scary movie. Apparently, if you have a scary movie, you tend to move. 
around on on the oh, you, oh and you do like that oh and, and you turn away oh sorry and you go oh I can't do that and sometimes you go oh and you go, oh like that and you get really scared and that apparently is burning calories so not, when, when you sit there and you watch your love you go oh that's that but you don't move do you you're almost rigid but this came like, oh like that you turn away you don't want to watch anything so perhaps casualty watching anything with with hospital drama and and the scariest movie is to lose weight to um, number. Nine. I'd, I'd, I'd have to do nine because I've got no idea what the one at number ten is. Doesn't actually say anything. But the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now I can't. Was this the one where there were heads in the garden as cabbages or something? I can't know. People were buried there. I don't know. Anyway, uh, the Blair Witch Project. I thought was rubbish. Biggest pile of rubbish. It was. A, it was one of those movies that the uh, publicity surrounding it was better than the movie. Number seven is Paranormal Activity. I suppose speaks for itself. Nightmare on Elm Street, number six. Five is Saw. Four is Alien. Number Alien. Three, The Exorcist. Two, Jaws. Jaws was apparently frightening. It was a plastic shark coming out of the ocean. What was frightening about that? And number one, The Shining. I never saw The Shining. I saw, I've only seen a few of those films there because, you, I mean, they don't mention Silence of the Lambs, which I didn't find at all frightening. I only mention it because people talk of it in horror film genre. A rag clary. We're supposed to be frightened. I mean, I wasn't frightened by him at all. I mean, some man in a, in a silly leather mask I thought was just the most ludicrous thing I'd, I'd ever seen, I'm afraid. <coughs> so I never bothered about it. Brian says, Iris's cat Lottie wears her poppy with pride. Thank you for your continued support. And the next line is, I shall wear it often, I suppose. Uh, Wendy says, last year there were blue poppies for the animals who died wartime, but I couldn't find any. Yes, I, th- I th- put it this way, we went through different colours, didn't we? We went through white poppies for peace, blue poppies for the animals. And to be honest with you, it's a red poppy. It's the Flanders poppy. That's what it's there for. It's got, it, it covers everybody. The poppy covers everybody. We don't do separate ones for, you know, people with one leg or people who are Jewish or gay soldiers or people under 18. No, it's the one poppy that covers everybody. It's as simple as that. It's red because it's the Flanders poppies. Uh, Marie says, why do people need the metal poppy? It's not a fashion accessory. I don't like this new one. It should only be of paper as a symbol of remembrance. The donation I gave a tenner for a paper one. Good for you. If you can afford a tenner, give a tenner. They'll they'll use it very wisely. Take my you know take my word for it. They're, they're not going to waste money. It's not like some of these you know places where they do waste your money. The Royal British Legion don't waste your money. You stand outside the Royal Albert Hall when they've got their festival of remembrance. You see the old boys turning up and all the people in uniform, all the young people, lots of very young cadets and things like that. It's, it's an amazing thing to go to. A really an amazing thing. It really is. So uh, so that's why you buy a, you buy a poppy for everything that you've got now. If you don't think you've got anything now or you're not patriotic, don't buy one. It doesn't make any difference to me. I'm not going to lose sleep over it, I'm afraid. Well, what did I buy the other day? I went to Iceland, not the country, the shop, and um, they have a dreadful problem with thieving. It's all the people who come in on the buses. You know, you could they come in from Hounslow and Feltham and they come to thieve in, in Twickenham. It's dreadful. Really, it's absolutely dreadful. And, uh, oh, which reminds me to, to tell you that the fish shop Sandys have now got a new display outside. Topiary. Topiary. They've got in fact, quite a lot of it. In fact, it's, it's looking more like Squire's Garden Centre out there at the front. They've now got, a, I think it's a dolphin. 
I could be wrong on that. It looks like a dolphin. Stuart said, Ooh, and I went, oh, you know, because I like that. And, uh, and it's a dolphin in, in, in Topia. It's very good, actually. And they've got lots of, uh, so I've got my hanging baskets up and they've got all their stuff outside the front of the shop. Very good, you know, they work very hard in there. Coming up to Christmas, they'll be, I should imagine, one of the busiest shops in Twickenham next to old Paul Cooper. But they, they do very well at Christmas. So the papers, if you've woken up this morning at the risk of being boring and reiterate. Oh, number 10 is a Spanish film called Wreck. Made that well. I, I read. I didn't know what that meant. Is that what it's called? Wreck. Is that short for record or something? I don't know. We don't know. Never heard of it before. But that's apparently quite scary. You could lose weight to that. Um, Gary Glitter has been arrested, and um, they've said that doctors collaborated in the abuse. Uh, officers and Savile Pro prepared to swoop on more celebrities. They say, uh, as you heard, Max Clifford, who's on the LBC website, said that he's been contacted by, <clears throat> I think, between 12 and 15 celebrities who are worried that they might be implicated in these, uh, you know, because they don't know what photographs <coughs> excuse me, are around of, uh, of Gary Glitter and Jimmy Savile. We know that Gary Glitter pitched up on Savile's programme. I mean, they might have thought they were untouchable. I don't know. I wasn't there at the time. I don't. I don't know what went on, and I don't know what can be, what can be gleaned from this. I don't know what people are expecting. Um, a lot of women at the BBC and probably elsewhere. I should as, as well. I would think, you know, were groped, touched inappropriately. But that was the culture. It doesn't make it right, but that was the culture at the time. You know, if you didn't get your bottom pinched at work, then it meant that you weren't really in favour and you weren't going to last very long. So you know, to have your bottom pinched was sort of it was. I mean, no, I haven't pinched a bottom yet. Let me say, but the trouble is, it's different times, isn't it? It's, uh... Producer said to me the other day, she said, well, should we go out for a meal? I thought, straight into HR for that one, I tell you. I mean, I'm not having that. Trying to sort of, you know, pick up a... I go with everybody else, but I'm not going with the producer. That's different, isn't it? That, that's really... That's stalking, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, let's go out for a meal. And then and she, I said, no, not right. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit full. I said, oh, let's go out for a drink then. I thought, oh, God, here we go. And then, why don't you pop back to my place for a cup of coffee? And that's when it all goes wrong. You know, because, you know, coffee doesn't mean coffee nowadays. In my day, somebody said, you want to come back for a cup of cocoa? I thought, oh, thank God. A cup of cocoa. So now, you know, we, we have all these people who sort of come up to me. You know, other, I, I get all these people around this building, you know, other present. Oh, should we go out for, for dinner soon? Oh, I don't know. Do you, do you mean dinner? Are we eating or is this a relationship? I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, con- I'm confused. I wasn't confused about... Jimmy Savile, because I knew the, I knew the rumours. What I'm amazed is that the amount of people at the BBC who claim they didn't hear these rumours. I think we had, we had Esther Ranson who said that she couldn't remember if she'd been told this. But everybody knew about it. I mean, I thought if it was common knowledge for me, and I'd only been in the business five minutes, surely everybody else must have heard this stuff. I mean, I'm told that there is, uh, you know, quite a number of people of a certain age who would have been part of this... This group. Now, whether they hung out together, I do not know, because I wasn't there. I wasn't privy to the information. I just watched the programme like any other person. It was a a telly programme. I never thought that there would be anything going on. And now they say they've got, was it 400 people who've come forward? Well, I reckon, by the law of averages, 200 of those will be proven to be nothing at all. It will, it'll, it'll be proven to be absolutely nothing. It will be, you know, people who fantasised or they suffer from, you know, some sort of illness, which means that they, they just want to get involved with something. We used to, I remember years ago, you, you would have people, people do confess to crimes that they're nothing to do with. It's quite, there's a name for it, and it means that they, they just want to be involved and they, they admit to things. So you've had people walking into police station saying, I did it. And um, it, it sort of reminded me a little bit of uh, Emmerdale last night. 
where they've lost one of the characters who's been murdered by one of the women in it who part owns the pub, I think. I can't remember what, can't remember what the name's Chastity or Chaz. Or, anyway, I can't remember. Anyway, she's sort of done it. But they're all kicking off at each other now. Nobody likes anybody. There's a lot of venom being... And, and a lot of people get very heated. So, in a way, Jim Davidson was right. I don't like Jim Davidson, but he was right when he said in his column that it's turning into a witch hunt. There'd, there'd be hardly anybody at the BBC who'll be left if you actually went through it and went, right... People have made a complaint about you because you touched this woman going up the stairs or, you know, you made an improper suggestion. Imagine if you went out and you stood in bars all night and there were people there, office workers. You'd hear all sorts of strange things, wouldn't you? You'd be hearing all sorts of people say, listen, if, if, you're, if you're nice, you want to come back with me tonight because I'm looking for a new PA or we're looking for somebody. And it's, that's how, you know, it was the casting couch. And I'm quite sure that it must have operated at the BBC with people who had their own programmes. You know, that's, that's, the, that's the big problem, that you don't know how big it is. Is it thousands of people? Is it just 20 people? Is it, you know, we don't know because he's not here. Have they got any evidence of it? I did say yesterday, you know, it's, it's the evidence. You've got to have evidence. You've got to be able to say, it's no good to say, oh, I went there and this happened to me. But you've got to be able to prove it. And so now Gary Glitter was arrested 7.15 yesterday morning. And as far as I know, he's not been arrested. He's, he's not been charged with anything, but he's out on bail until December. So here we are, November, and I don't know what they're what they're collating against him. Did he have imagery? I don't know, but he was a friend of of Jimmy Savile's, and they hung around in in the same programmes and within the same environment. But I'm afraid that dominates the papers yet again. It's all over the place. It's all over the place. And so if you if you're bored by it, I wouldn't bother buying a paper today because it still goes on. Quarter to six. <laughs> News headlines with Sam Pittis. Tens of thousands of people in America. Alan. Morning, everybody. It's uh, nice to have you company. It's 12 minutes to uh, six. Uh, having mentioned last week, we at the Queen's, says lovely Jan, have metal poppies. A gentleman came in on Saturday and put £10 in the box. He heard you mention it on air. Oh, lovely. Yes, and you, you will have to phone Noreen. It's a very strange story. Very strange. It's like, a, it's like an Agatha Christie. Like an Agatha Christie. So, £10, that's good. Nice to know, uh, Jan, that there are still lots of very rich people living around Hornchurch. Because <laughs> you worry, don't you, about it half the time. And uh, the magic was very good. I did buy some magic. Neil was curious to discover what I bought. I can't tell you what I bought. So I'd have to come out and personally kill all of you. But I did go to the magic dealers, the uh, Magic Circle Dealers Day. At Hotel off Russell Square. Mm-hmm. So the last week I was there with Barbara Windsor. And then the other day for the uh, Dealers Day. And it was very nice because I bumped into... Um, who did I bump into? Oh, I bumped into a couple of people, actually. In fact, no, I bumped into loads of people. Somebody who's been very helpful to me, or will be very helpful about a trick. And, um, and, uh, David and Brian had been to their church. Brian Sibley and David Weeks. And they'd been to their church, uh, the other week. And David was doing some magic at the church. And this lady came up to him and uh, she was chatting with She wasn't interested in the magic. She just wanted to know, as they were members of the magic circle, did they know Steve Allen? And so he goes to prove, he said, you're bigger than the almighty in some departments. And this lady was very keen to find out more about Steve Allen because, because they were members of the magic circle. She said, do you know Steve Allen? And they went, yes, we know. She said, you really know Steve Allen? Big, big fan of the programme. So I don't even know your name. I don't even know your name. But listen, if you're a fan of the programme and you listen to LBC, good enough for me, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, last Friday, Noreen went off to a show. Marty Wilde, Eden Kane and Mike Berry. Mike looks the same as he did in 1962. Well, we all look the same as we did in 62. I mean, I, I myself. I'm a little bit worried, actually, that uh, the Dulux dog... <clears throat> 
and, and the Queen's, <coughs> excuse me, corgis are named on an endangered breeds watch list. The Kennel Club have put this, uh, this out. So apparently there's lots of dogs at risk, which is a great... Because, I, I mean, you don't see too many corgis. You know, mainly because I think they're naff. I don't think corgis are such naff dogs, I'm afraid. But uh, Old English Sheepdogs, apparently only 316 have been registered. And, uh, and less than 450 Pembroke Welsh Corgi. Oh, good. We don't want too many. I mean, as puppies, Welsh corgis and, and little do look lovely, but to be honest with you, they're, they're not really my favourite dog. I don't really have a favourite dog. I saw, I saw, we saw the most delightful dog the other day in Bridget's Park. It was a little um, Cocker Spaniel puppy. Oh, it was just so cute. Little tail wagging. You know, they're just very excited dogs, don't they? And it was, well, it was in sort of honey gold. I think it probably had a rinse or something like that through. But it was, it was absolutely lovely. It really was. It was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, apparently, the Blair Witch Project, says Mark, was basically about a bunch of students running around in the countryside screaming the F word, apparently, over nothing except grass and trees. It did overstretch my imagination. Yes, it probably did. I mean, I didn't see it because I thought it was made on a handheld camera. There was nothing about it that interested me. And also, I've decided, I'm at that age, where I don't want to go to the cinema to be frightened. You know, people say, oh, you go to the cinema. And I've seen, I remember going to see Friday the 13th, and that was about as scary as I wanted any film to be. I didn't want a film to be scarier than that. Because I, I don't think it's pleasant to sit in a cinema and something leaps out at you. I mean, that would, that would really freak me out. I don't like that. They used to do in America, whether it was part of a film, I don't know. It might have been real, it might not have been. They actually put electric buzzers under the seats. So at a particular moment, you could push a buzzer and everybody got electrocuted at the same time. So they leapt six feet in the air. I, quite, I mean, I quite fancied that, like, pushing the button. I wouldn't want to be the person sitting in the seat. And I don't want anybody leaping out of the screen at me with an axe covered in blood, screaming, I'm going to murder everybody. I mean, that, that doesn't do it for me at all, I'm afraid. Uh, Mark is going to buy the Matt Cardle album. You should. It's a nice album, actually. Very nice. And uh, he's a very talented... But do you notice the one thing that Matt Cardle was very keen to talk about? He split up with his girlfriend. He split up with his girlfriend because I said to him, I said, are you watching The X Factor towards the end of the interview? I thought, you know, I get to that stage where I know where I'm going to go with the interview because I've got no idea at the beginning at all, as you can probably tell. But I did say to him, how, d- how did you feel about The X Factor? He said, I, I can't uh, watch television at the moment because the ex-girlfriend's got the skybox. So he doesn't have television. And I think it hit him really badly. It's, it's very interesting to discover somebody of, of that age who's been out with somebody for a long while and then it splits up. And I noticed there was one of my friends in the papers this week over, um, over a little fling she had with a certain member of a boy band and her ex-husband has crawled out the woodwork, you know, to talk about, oh, this and that. And I couldn't believe that she was, oh, and I think, oh, just get over yourself. Just get over yourself. Listen, if a marriage finishes, it finishes. Gareth Gates' marriage has finished, as reported on LBC and on our uh, on our exclusive... Uh, let's have a quick dig at a few celebrities. We like Gareth Gates, don't get me wrong, I love him. But he's, he's, he's not very good at being faithful to one person. That's the, that's the trouble. When you're young, <coughs> when you go into West End shows... It's like, you know, you're working very closely with people. It doesn't work on this programme, but I mean, you know, you're working quite closely with people and people have relationships. And Gareth has been known in the past to have some indiscretions. And I think for his, uh, for his wife, this was kind of one too many. And so they've separated. He said, we're, we're going our own separate ways. But I think he'll have to pay. I think they have a child. I think they have a child together. But you do worry, don't you? People in the business, why can't they keep it in their trousers? What is it about people who've got to have relationships? Is it because it's easy out there? Interesting to hear Max Clifford 
talking and saying that it's different with Jimmy Savile from all the girls who threw themselves at pop stars. Years ago, you would have pop stars and you would have groupies. In fact, there are books that have been written about groupies in America. Girls who literally follow groups around and they're well known for it. There are, I think there are in America some very famous groupies and they have had, let's just call it relations for the purpose of this programme, <coughs> excuse me, with lots of, uh, lots of famous people. And, uh, and so over here, Max said, let's not confuse girls who threw themselves at pop stars, because I should imagine there must be loads of pop stars who were very successful with having girls. I mean, in fact, we used to read about them in the paper all the time. Mick Hucknell was constantly in the papers with girls who'd thrown themselves at him. You know, and then he was off out at parties. And I suppose you'll be reading it about Tom Daly. <laughs> Perhaps not. Uh, you know, with him sort of going out to uh, to clubs and parties. Pauline in South Shields has uh, reminded us that it's only eight weeks to Xmas. I think she means Christmas. Can't stand people writing Xmas. I know it's easier to write Xmas. Only eight weeks to go. And yesterday, because I've got two Christmas dinners, I've got one on Christmas Day with my godchildren and the family, which is very nice. And then I've got my brother and uh, I've had to choose the food. But, of course, for Boxing Day, it's a bit more difficult because I've already had a Christmas dinner. <coughs> so I'm having, I think, roast brisket of beef. I think on Boxing Day, I quite fancy the idea of beef. It's ridiculous, isn't it? I'm ordering food. I'm not going to be eating for eight weeks and already I've got to decide. So I'm having the cream of mushroom soup with a swirl of cream. I mean, how ridiculous start working it out. It is a bit dull, actually. The cream of mushroom soup. I'm not having traditional Christmas lunch on Boxing Day, because I'll have had it on Christmas Day. No, no, no. I, there's a limit to how many even I can eat. I will be having lots of little sausages with bacon wrapped round, because I, I just stick those in the oven anyway. I don't care about that. Um, uh, Roberta says, what should I plant in a new hanging basket for the winter? Flowers. Flowers are always very popular. I mean, you, I mean, you could try sticks of rock, but it doesn't work the same way. Fla- winter flowering pansies, there's loads of stuff. The nurseries and the garden centres are full of stuff at the moment. Which you can plant in there. I mean, I, you know, mine are, mine are quite nice. And, uh, but definitely winter flowering pansies. And uh, I did send a picture of them. I was going to do a picture outside Sandy's the other day, but the weather's been so atrocious. I can't really do it at the moment, but I, I will get round to it. And don't forget, I'll remind you again. I'm sorry to remind you again. But if you're going to download any of the podcasts, we're now starting at 2009. Everything else has dropped off the back. So if you don't download those today, if you want the early ones, the early podcasts, uh, they will disappear by the end of this week. So you need to, I mean, it's, it's so simple. Go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, learn how to podcast. And it's very cheap. From as little as £2 a month, you can, you can download everything. I mean, everything. You could sit there all day downloading from as little as £2 a month. So once you've got it, you've got it. It then doesn't disappear. OK, so just make sure that you do do it, because I would hate for people to write in and go, I was just about to download 2009 and it's gone. So uh, do it today. It also helps me boost my figures up, you know, as we come up to Christmas. I quite like the idea that we're, that we're downloading stuff as quick as possible, because it does disappear. You can download the programmes and the in-conversations and... Uh, all of the stuff on the LBC. It's not just my my programmes. It's uh, everybody's. Everybody's. Uh, 84850, steve at A lot of people enjoyed the Matt Cardle conversation. So I'm pleased about that. It was good, actually. It was very, very good. And, uh, oh, that's right. You went to your, your fish shop. What were you going to say about Iceland? Oh, they have a lot of stuff. I went into, oh, that's right. I went into Iceland. I sort of wander off track on this one this morning. And I, I had a craving. I had a craving for anything made by Aunt Bessie. And I thought... I quite fancy an apple crumble, but she does an apple crumble with built-in custard. 
with built-in cuss. I ask you, the only trouble, and it's only pound fifty, which seems quite reasonable, doesn't it? The only trouble is it's got too much crumble mixture on the top of it. So I scraped half of that off, and I just went, went for the apple underneath. It was not for pound fifty. I couldn't complain, really. Yeah, most of the Iceland food is, is OK. But I discovered their chickens that you cook... Marks and Spencer's ready-cooked chickens are only six quid. And to be honest with you, given the toss-up between Marks and Spencer's chicken and Iceland chicken, Marks and Spencer's chicken's going to win because I can see it. I can actually see it. It's there physically covered in, uh, covered in plastic. Uh, 84850. Somebody says that there is a, a beautiful park in Tyneside called Saltwell Park. They've just opened a field of remembrance with small wooden crosses for all those who died. Very moving. Do you know, they did that on a beach in Santa Monica when we were there. They planted out all these crosses across the whole beach for everybody who'd lost their lives uh, abroad. And um, so uh, Marie went there. And she says, you, you can Google it, the Saltwell Park Field of Remembrance. Lovely. Listen, we'll take a short break for the news at six o'clock. It's LBC 97.3. I'm Steve Allen. This is my early breakfast, <coughs> complete with... <coughs> so I was going to do that as a joke, actually, complete with cough this morning. I was hoping I wasn't going to be coughing. And then I coughed. You watch, it'll be gone by tomorrow if I have to stick lemons down my throat and everything else. It's so annoying. I'm so sorry. But uh, we'll take a short break for the news. We're back in uh, in a few minutes. Don't forget, you can text and email 84850-stevedlbc.co.uk. So excited about the Christmas cards, which our friends at Hallmark sent in, which was uh, very nice indeed, if you like. So we will be sending lots of Christmas cards this year. We're, we're starting a trend. We are starting a trend. Now, interesting, young Jonathan Shallot, who's rarely out of the papers, he says, talking of Matt Cardle, the Jonathan Charlotte album is well worth buying. Yes, Yes, we know, because I had them in on the programme. We like the album a lot. And he says, uh, they were the fantastic opera duo on Britain's Got Talent, and they've just finished a document. They're not with you, are they? Tell me they're not with you as well. <laughs> they've just finished filming a documentary of their story to be broadcast this coming Friday at 9pm. The debut album together has gone silver, and uh, it's in the album charts, number one in the Amazon classical charts. I did them weeks ago, Jonathan. I, d- um, I did them... Um, when did I do them? We, we did them in uh, one of the many studios at LBC. It might have been four weeks ago I did Jonathan and Charlotte. And um, I think and the, the album's lovely. <coughs> He's getting on the cross trainer now. Wish I was on a cross trainer. <coughs> cross trainer now. Not very well this week. Nice to hear from you, young man. I hope you're well. I think you've just come back from somewhere, and I can't remember where it is that you've been, been to. I can't remember. But I know you featured in the paper the other week with over, a, over a little matter. I can't remember what it was. I can't remember exactly what it was. Uh, 84850. Whatever happened to the man who cooked himself Christmas dinner every day, says Robert. There is a man, isn't there, who does Christmas dinner every single day of his life. Which is good. I don't have a problem with that. Um, I know you're a fried chicken man, says Jane. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm not. Oh, God, no, I'm definitely not a fried chicken man. No, no, no. I said I, I would like to be. You can't be if you're diabetic. Good God, I mean, the, the stuff is so fatty. Definitely not. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Oh, we're not allowed to say we sell poppies, Steve. Metal pins, wooden crosses or wreaths. If we sell them, they become subject to VAT. We can only say how much they cost to make. So obviously we can't shake our pot, ask people if they want a poppy or approach people. Same chuggers don't face the same restrictions. I absolutely agree with you. I hate the chuggers with a passion. With a passion. I'd be glad to see the back of them, I'm afraid. Glad to see the back of them. And um, another one here, Monique. 
Morning, Monique. Says, I was feeling quite rough over the weekend with a cough and a cold. It's, do- it's because the temperature has plummeted. So I've just got an image then of Jonathan Shallot in a pair of shorts or tracksuit bottoms. I don't know why, Jonathan, sorry. Uh, I used honey, lemon and brandy in hot water for the aches and the shivers. Corvonia original works very well for the cough. Yes, they do, um, they do a, a sugar-free one, which, uh, which I did try before, and I, I quite liked it, actually. I quite liked it. And um, I heard a reference to Feltham, says little Julie. As you know, I'm a frequent visitor to Twickenham, mainly to the Barmy Arms and other drinking establishments. Yes, Alec, Alec and Hillary in there, lovely. I, I bumped into them on the streets again the other day. They're, they're wrapping up warm for winter. Uh, what did you buy, says Neil from the Magic Circle deal. I can't tell you. I can't, that would ruin it if, if I told you what I bought. It had to be in May. I mean, I didn't spend very much money. I spent about £100. I, I, I was going there to spend a bit more, but I didn't see anything I wanted. And uh, re-massage... Lorraine has booked our spa session when we go to Centre Parks for our annual visit yesterday. It includes a head, shoulder and neck massage. We come up feeling so relaxed. He says, you do uh, get, you need that Vic on, on your chest. And uh, sucking a fisherman's friend could always help. I know, I've seen those, but they do them different flavours now, don't they? But I'm not big into those. I'm doing water at the moment, which is probably not the best thing. But uh, I have a sneaking feeling that a bacon roll is heading in my direction. And probably sometime after about seven o'clock this morning. Uh, Nick Ferrari, this morning. Uh, John Craig, chief political correspondent for Sky, will be looking at the papers. And as the Saville saga continues, Nick will be asking what next for the BBC and the police. Nick will be speaking to someone stateside about the impact of Hurricane Sandy, rumoured to be one of the worst storms to ever hit the East Coast, and turning off streetlights, because apparently lots of motor... I was coming down the motorway when I heard that yesterday. I was listening to our sister station, Classic, and... um, I was listening to Simon Callow, who was doing the most wonderful pronunciation of all these... It was a bit Brian Sewell. It was wonderful, actually. It was quite interesting. But uh, the the news that they were running was talking about councils turning off streetlights. And at that particular moment, I looked up and discovered that the motorway I was on had no streetlights on at all. It saves them money. You don't need streetlights on a motorway, do you, really? You've got headlights on the car, although I was amazed that some people were driving without headlights. Uh, is it, does it increase the potential for crime? Possibly. So uh, they'll be uh, talking about that a little bit uh, later on today. But it's this storm that's about to hit America. They do suffer with it, don't they? I mean, a friend of mine's got a house in Florida. And uh, they all come equipped with storm windows. So, in other words, in the garage, they've got the, these bits of plywood, which you slide into the runners. And that's your storm windows to protect the glass, because there's going to be things flying about all over the place. And, um, and people do worry about it. And it does look quite bad. What amazes me is you always get people going to stand by the coast and they will um, and sort of watch these huge, wa- huge waves crashing on the thing. You know, the, <coughs> excuse me, the power of the ocean is quite a staggering thing. I've got a whole film on just how powerful and how ebb tides work and currents and everything else and what goes on under the ocean. It's like when we watch the, suma- the, the tsunami, it doesn't seem like anything. There's this little ripple further out to sea and yet by the time it comes in, the force of it... Oh, dear me. Um, uh, Susan Bookbinder at 6.30 this morning, just uh, just under 20 minutes' time. New York shutting down for the storm as the US election approaches. They'll be talking to Simon Marks, our US correspondent over there. Gary Glitter released on bail. And um, apparently after the Saville scandal, new programme promises a revolution in child protection and social work. They'll be talking to a guy called Josh McAllister, who's head of a department at a secondary school in Manchester, who underwent the Teach First programme and is developing the Frontline programme. And uh, this is to be strongly considered. Plus, more money pledged for nuclear submarines. 
love to go on a nuclear submarine. I'd love to go on a nuclear submarine. I really would. I, I quite fancy it. And um, also, it's uh, it'll be uh, Bring Your Bible to Work Day, which apparently encourages the general public to take the Bible outside of their comfort zones of church and bedroom. But uh, people are asking, should religion be brought into the workplace? I don't know. Would you change your opinion of somebody if you saw somebody walking around with a Bible? In their hand. I mean, you would, wouldn't you? I mean, you, you would. You'd be frightened to swear for a start. You wouldn't swear in front of anybody carrying a Bible. But uh, I was talking to somebody a minute ago, um, uh, a Christian, and I was saying about Christmas cards. And uh, this particular person, so I, I said, I'm going to be sending a lot of Christmas cards this year. Now that Hallmark have sent them in. And um, uh, he said, I'm not sending Christmas cards. Where in the Bible does it say send Christmas cards? I said, I distinctly remember when they were having a Tex-Mex in Galilee. I remember somebody... Could have been Simon Peter, I don't, one of the two, saying, let's nip out and send some Christmas cards. You know, just so, because I don't know when they came in. I think they actually came in a while ago. But it, I said, it's just a nice thing to say to somebody. I'm thinking of you at Christmas. And he said, I see you every day. I went, oh, OK. It kind of, it's a good argument, I thought. Fairly good argument. But I, I like sending a Christmas card to somebody because it, you know, I, I know they don't do much. They just open it and go, oh, look, Steve sent a Christmas card. And then they put it down again. They put it up on the shelf. Whereas I used to keep mine. I've kept loads of my Christmas cards over the years. I'm a very sad person, I'm afraid. It's a very sad person. I wish I'd never told you that, actually. I wish I'd never mentioned it. I should get letters. Um, I had, oh, we could take a quick break, have we? 13 minutes past six. LBC 97. Paul tells me that there was an invisible woman. It wasn't just the invisible man. It was made with uh, Virginia Bruce and John Barrymore in 1940. And The Bride of Frankenstein was played, in actual fact, by Elsa Lanchester, the wife of Charles Lawton, best remembered now as Katie Nanner from Mary Poppins. We were in the car yesterday and we, we were listening to Madness's new album and, uh, and then we were sort of running through the military wives and everything else. And it went back on. And for some reason, my iPod had started, started playing The Sound of Music. <laughs> so I found, and in fact, my brother's girlfriend, Marion, said... What is this tune? I said, I think it's Climb Every Mountain from The Sound of Music. Pathetic, isn't it? The things you have. Uh, thank you, John, who told me about his uh, life. You know, he was in a children's home. He's had everything happen to him, everything. And, in fact, he's been in trouble with the police. He's stolen. He um, he left a children's home in 71 when he was 13, brought up by missionaries. My dad's neighbour, he says, was Dixon of Dot Green, Jack Warner, who came from the Bow Road flyover. New uh, St. Leonard's location, and uh, I, I, saw, I saw everything. We trained at Northfield because he took his HGV with the Royal Air Force. Very interesting life, actually. Very, very interesting life. And uh, and he sent that to me the other day. <coughs> Excuse me. So thank you very much indeed for uh, for that one. Uh, another one here, which uh, this is to do with ID cards. Now, when you go to America and you use a credit card, they will ask for ID because they don't have chip and pin. And after a while, you start... I don't have an ID card. I had an old one from ages ago, but I need to get another sort of ID card, like a press card or something like that, because they ask for it all the time in any out-of-the-way shop or place wherever they are uh, taking a card from you in payment for goods or services, they're going to ask for ID. So if you're going there, just remember to carry something around with you, like you're driving. If you've got your wallet with you, you're fine, because you have your driving licence in there. But they will always ask. Oh, incidentally, uh, the other day I got a phone call from somebody who said, oh, you know that tramp who sits in, in Twickenham outside Superdrug? Well, he's died. 
He used to play the uh, the violin. He was moved on on numerous occasions by the police. He used to be outside Marks and Spencer. He just he couldn't play for toffee, but apparently he he was at one point a musician. He was a down and out, and um, he uh, he was a heroin addict as well. And I believe that one of the local charities wanted to put a plaque up to him because he was a homeless person. And I bumped into another guy I know in Twickenham, and he said he said he wasn't a homeless person at all. He said he's got the flat next door to me. He was living in a flat where he was found dead, and uh, people had put flowers up and everything else like that. Whereas, in fact, he'd been cautioned by the police for uh, for harassing people for money. So he didn't work. He was feeding a habit. And uh, and how old he was, I've got no idea. But uh, somebody put some flowers up and things like that, and it's turning into a market garden at the moment, which is a little bit strange. Somebody has seen a guy in Twickenham, and I've seen him as well, <clears throat> who always wears a bowler hat. He's always very smartly dressed. He carries a cane and a bowler hat. And if he's talking to ladies, <coughs> excuse me, he will tip his hat. And uh, I used to see him and his wife, uh, Nadia, my friend who's got the hairdressers in uh, in Bracknell, Woking. Uh, she uh, used to, to do the, the wife's hair, and she died a few years ago. But he's always immaculate. His shoes are very shiny. His coat is always immaculate. He wears a bowler hat. In the summer, he wears a blazer and a boater. I mean, it's, he's, he's coming from a different generation, and somebody saw him the other day. Uh, Lynn says, love the in conversations. In the 1970s, my husband bought himself a motorbike. Status quo, in a break from recording, asked to have a go and whizzed around the car park. <laughs> there you go. I like that. Uh, Sue Ann in Stockwell. Manuka honey. I've got some, I have got some uh, Manuka honey. I've, oh, it's upstairs, actually. But uh, I have got it. I have had my, uh, my flu jab. Uh, apparently, Iceland apple pies contain very high levels of sugar. This is your coughing this morning. It was so annoying. Honestly, it, it really is, I'm afraid. It really is absolutely dreadful. I'm so, I'm so annoyed about it. Um, uh, I, I love this one here. It says, I really used to enjoy your horse racing, racing item with Sam Pittis. Lord, that's probably on some of the podcasts, you know. That's probably on some of the podcasts, I should, I, I should imagine. Sylvia in Sidcup. Uh is the mother of Jessica at London Bridge. She's at work, poor soul. And uh, and somebody says, I live by the coast, and there's nothing more exhilarating than standing on the beach during a storm. Yes, I mean, I, I, I see a picture in my mind of that, actually. Uh, so would you change your opinion of somebody who walked into work carrying a Bible? Because it's Take Your Bible to Work Day. They did, a, they did a piece on television last night, and it was called Messy Church. There's some woman who's, who's obviously taking a church over when, it, when it's not being used for church services and taking kids in there and making it messy because we don't use churches. I mean, I just looked at this lovely old-fashioned church with stained-glass windows and saw these kids playing on the floor and thinking, oh, no, send them next door. You know, what we used to have in our church services years ago, uh, when I was a good little chorister, was you'd have the, the kids in for the first bit of the service and then they'd all go out to there, they'd go and do something different. Which, which kept them uh, fairly busy. Anne in Romford says, you're not using your honey, buy one, get one free. Well, I was, but I used it up ages ago. She said, uh, I've stocked up. Good for you. Good for you. And uh, re-carrying a Bible. There's a man who comes into my GP surgery on Belsize Road, always carrying or clutching a crucifix, walks along the street and even carries the symbol with him to the supermarket on the Finchley Road. Some people are like that, though, aren't they? Nadia Awida would be one of those sort of... <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me, one of those sort of people who would uh, always have the uh, 
a crucifix with her, and that was the, that was the big problem that they had because British Airways said no, you can't. And to, to be honest, I can't remember what the uh, what the outcome for that was. Uh, poor old Neil spent yesterday sweeping up leaves at Bisco Towers. I wish he says one gust of wind, and I was back to square one. That's why you need one of those those garden vacuum cleaners. They're very popular, very popular. Eight four eight five zero Steve at LBC uk. Yes, it's it's this. Um, Julie, the it mystery, the 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 mystery deepens, doesn't it? I mean, you know, really, really bizarre, <laughs> really bizarre, and uh, people have to phone Noreen to find out what we're talking about this morning because it's just the oddest thing ever. Uh, eight for eight five zero, oh, and uh, Tony says, "Have you seen the guy who sits on the strand? He blows into a traffic cone, but it sounds like a trumpet." I think I saw somebody in Covent Garden doing that. Uh, Covent Garden doing that the other week. I think. Uh, Lucy says, in Spain, you also need an ID card for payments. So, in other words, if you're paying by any card at all, you need an ID and they will ask for it, which is, uh, which I suppose protects them. Why they've not got chip and pin, I've got no idea. Uh, I heard your conversation, says Dawn, with Matt Cardle. Great interview and enjoyed the interview with Francis Rossi. I've seen Status Quo live a couple of times. And I enjoyed Matt's interview so much, I listened to it again. And thank you for tweeting the picture of you and Matt on Thursday. I did appreciate the effort. You were right both times when on Friday you said you thought Matt's album The Fire was being released that day Friday. And then after you said you thought it was being released on the 29th Monday. It was available, downloaded, iTunes Friday for people in Ireland. Everybody else on iTunes and CD today. And she's ordered a a pre-signed copy. I've also ordered the Status Quo DVD which I've arranged to send to my brother, because he wasn't aware of it. He's a big status quo fan. But he doesn't want to go and see them in in concert for some strange reason. Uh, Matt is going to be on this morning, she says, uh, today. So I'll be watching that, chatting and performing the new single, It's Only Love, which is being released on Monday the 29th. So there we go. But it was was a good interview. But uh, my advice is today, if if you're a collector of LBC memorabilia and podcasts and everything else, then download today. Download today. Because uh, stuff drops off the end, and we're now starting on first of Jan, two thousand and nine. <coughs> Excuse me. So, uh, so do that quickly. Front pages of the papiers this morning, because everybody's going to be talking about uh, Hurricane Sandy. Why do they always give them girls' names? There must be a must be a question there somewhere. Why do they always have girls' names? Or perhaps they don't always have girls' names. Perhaps they have sort of every other uh, name under the sun. Um, you've got uh, the Daily Mail today. And they're talking about pay more tax to drive on the motorway. This new two-tier system could mean only rich motorists use fast routes. Oh, thank God for that. That time we got something back. So we'd have to hang around with poor people's cars on the motorway. We'd just pay a little bit extra and we could whiz there. So poorer drivers will be forced onto B roads. You know, as drivers, we get really the rough end of the pineapple, don't we? Everything. I put petrol in the other day. Now you've got to put it in yourself. It's, it's all a little bit depressing. We're going to freeze in a long Arctic winter. That's what they're saying. And uh, that's on the front of the Daily Express. Uh, Gary Glitter on the front of the Daily Star and the Sun this morning. Glitter 10-hour sex quiz. Uh, Glitter first of many. More arrests to come, say the Mirror. And Dawn French, excuse me, saying she never thought she'd find love again. Lenny and I bared our souls to stay friends. Well, I'll be talking to Dawn French for a future In Conversation at 9.15 this morning. I think she's doing our sister station, Heart, and then then she gets me. And I'm going to try and persuade her to bring back the Vicar of Dibley. She said she would, provided she gets made an archbishop. (coughs) Might be pushing it a little bit. Have a lovely day. Don't forget wrap-up warm. Don't forget download the programmes. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning between 4 and 6.30. Thank you for making this uh, a very memorable day today. Uh, Nick and the team with you after seven. Next, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. LBC.